What up, you? I was going to say something terrible, call you all some sort of terrible name, but I'm feeling actually kind of nice today. I don't hate my life. No one gets out alive, bitches. No one gets out alive. We all have bad days. Today, for me, is just not one of them. So instead of calling you guys all fucking stupid bastards or something cruel, I'm going to say, hello, you stupid fucking bastards. <laughs> Ah, I'm terrible to the core. Just kidding. I love you guys. Another episode of the Gaming Memories Podcast, where I, your host, Kate Call, have been commissioned by the gods and me, one of the Father, Kojima, the Son, and Carmack, the Holy Ghost, to create the one true gaming podcast. And to do that, they told me to interview creative and interesting people about their favorite gaming memories growing up. And today is no exception. Today, I have a creative and interesting person. Drum roll, please. Andrew Mother Hancock. Andrew Hancock is the co-founder of Tobacco Motorwear, a motorcycle-specific lifestyle gear, uh, apparel, e-commerce product brand. And uh, Andrew has a background in film. He's been involved in some huge commercials, huge movies, YouTube channels, all that stuff. And he takes that skill and handles the media, the film, and the marketing material for tobacco, along with basically making all the other cool shit happen as well. He's definitely the most get shit done type of person I think I've personally met in my entire life. The joke amongst uh, our friends and people who know Andrew is that he has liquid Adderall in his blood at all times. Like you could, you could take his blood out, spin it in some vial at whatever correct frequency and probably extract Adderall and sell it on the market. I mean, the, the dude just gets shit done. And I'm really impressed because Tobacco Motorwear was originally a Kickstarter and uh, has now turned into this awesome, huge motorcycle company that sells like Kevlar reinforced jeans, Kevlar jackets, shit that looks good fashion-wise. You could wear and people wouldn't know that you're wearing protective motorcycle gear because you don't want to be that asshole that like comes to dinner on his bullet bike wearing his freaking spec ops jacket and pants with the huge pads and looks like something from Blade Runner. I mean, Blade Runner is dope, but when you're, when you're the only Blade Runner badass in like a group of people, it just looks weird. So tobacco solved that problem and they, they have good looking shit that you can walk around in and look styling, but at the same time, if you eat shit, it's going to protect you much more than regular clothing. And he started that out as a Kickstarter, and now it's been really successful. And we talk about it on the podcast. I don't know what the numbers are, but I bet if you had a spreadsheet of every Kickstarter, especially uh, apparel brand. Everyone's trying to make apparel brands. I bet the amount of successful Kickstarters is less than 3% in the first place. And of those that become successful, it's probably like 2 to 3, maybe 1% of those, definitely less than 1% overall, uh, are successful. So Tobacco Motorwear, I'm really impressed. Like they, uh, He pulled it off. Him and his business partner pulled it off. And as you know, I like to interview people who have been successful at multiple things. And Andrew is no exception. He also makes like really highbrow artistic like woodworking projects that needs to, he needs to sell that shit online because I know there's a bunch of millionaires and billionaires out there that like to get into pissing contests with other billionaires and I think Andrew's woodworking art projects could definitely be something that billionaires could have dick measuring contests over and he could make a grundle while he was at it because they're super dope. Anyway, Tobacco Motorwear, check it out. Andrew Hancock, I'll put all the applicable podcast links in the description. You know the drill. Like, share, 
comment, share the good news of the gaming memories gospel, and ye shall be blessed. I say these things in the name of Miyamoto, the Father, Kojima, the Son, and Carmack, the Holy Ghost. Amen, and enjoy the show. thought of you well i thought of you again because i met that guy in uh panama that did uh what's it called lords of gas lords of gastown yeah you you hinted at something you were you were stuck there or what happened i went there with my brother to do stem cell my brother has heart failure and uh was supposed to be dead but he didn't die and so we threw a hail mary and did this like experimental stem cell thing that like rogan and like mel gibson's dad and all these nfl athletes the place was bougie they, they put you up in like this giant ass hotel in downtown Panama City, like the nicest hotel. And normally it's ballin', apparently, from what the people tell me. It's like a poppin' hotel. There's like a club and a pool there. But Panama was on full lockdown. 100% lockdown. And I guess we could go in because it was for medical, whatever. And we had one day that we could go out based on our passport numbers for two hours to get food, uh, which I did, and it was not worth it. And then we sat in the hotel for seven days and ate at the same bar for seven days. And uh, yeah, so we were stuck in Panama. Dude, that's insane. That's that's the whole other conversation about that and about how it went and about how it's going and super interesting there's been times when i've been worried about lockdowns and government and you know i can understand where like conservatives and hardcore libertarians are worried about worried and uh, that definitely made me like because there's this dude speaking of there's this hard this guy was badass he i guess he claims i believe him seemed like he was telling the truth that he was a firefighter at 9-11 and uh i think that's actually why he was there because of all the heavy metals in his system and stem cells yeah i think that's why he was there or one of his family anyway i can't remember he's hardcore badass firefighter and uh hardcore just loves america trump would probably be wearing like a eagle with a machine gun and the eye of soros t-shirt over american flag type of guy he's hilarious and uh he's like they're not gonna enforce this shit blah 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 i'm just gonna tell them that uh like i'm a four or pretend like i'm whatever he made it like 15 feet across the street and towards the beach <laughs> and, and like we <laughs> Like three cars pull up, dudes with like full SWAT gear, like get the, yelling at him in Spanish. It was hilarious. They were they're watching the hotel, or because they're just they're patrolling, and he just. I guess. Well, I think his mistake was is he went to this beach. It's like a public beach that's super popular. So they were watching that beach. Mm. When I went out, I like went out during my like two hour based on my passport. I went out and got some food at a restaurant. I was the only person at the restaurant. I walked around the the market. It was like the only person at the market. Nothing's open other than the bathroom. So I just paid this dude to drive me around and as long as you're like in the car and you're not in like you're not out that they can't they don't care i bet if you're in a rural area you could probably get away with it but that's super interesting so so their lockdown is legit like was enforced unlike you know california when it goes into full lockdown versus when it's fully open it feels the exact same except for like stores being a little bit closed down but like no one's gonna stop you on the street but like there you're saying they legit it's enforced yeah and what sucks about from what i understand about california this it wasn't really enforced but the business business stuff was sort of enforced so you got like the t- didn't really do a lockdown that off- it doesn't seem like it's working numbers are crazy and then you still get all the economic damage but you don't get any of the benefits because the lockdown was like eh. 
Yeah, dude, it's, it's such a complicated yeah. thing. And it's interesting because you see all these people talking about it on, on social media and they'll have like, everyone has a different story of like where the system has broken down. Yes. And they're, they're looking at micro, micro instances, but they're, 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 they're judging it by the macro, you know? And so what they're trying to do is saying that like, well, California is locking it down and that is wrong because of these small little reasons or that's, that's failed because of these small reasons, but it's so complicated. And, and so what are, what are, what's anybody supposed to do? Just not do anything? Like, yeah. And so, yeah, there's failings everywhere, right? And so, like, the, the vaccine failed to roll out properly, right? And you can point fingers all day long at that, but like, it's such an insanely complicated thing. You know, and if you think about it, it's just a group of people who are maybe marginally smarter than you or I, right? If it's you're like, lucky. If you're lucky, yeah, probably not, right? But they're just supposed to, <laughs> like, figure it out and, and and be able to do this like it's just no it, it's just a collection of idiots everywhere that are running yeah. this like it's just you know people think about like oh the government is this thing like no the government is just a collection of people who are maybe smarter and probably not you know than you are it's just people trying to do their best and one person might get a say and they might get, get their way but you know it's just an idea like everyone's throwing shit at the wall constantly and it's yeah. just not working out most of the time but yeah I, I, yeah it's crazy i subscribe to that line of thinking a lot in in particular in relation to conspiracy theories because like the problem with conspiracy theories is they're sexy because every once in a while they're real and so it's like it's like it's yeah. like it's like gambling playing the slots right yeah you know? every it hits just enough to like to like keep your the ember alive yes. to, to for you to believe and uh but i i was listening to i think dan carlin's hardcore history and this concept of like don't underestimate the power of human stupidity to explain a lot of things it's not always a conspiracy it was uh i think it was constantinople or some i'm bad with details but he was describing some ancient fortress that had stood for some really generations and generations i forget which one in, in the time period but that's the idea had been impenetrable for generations and what how it ended up failing or getting breached is because someone like did something wrong with the back gate and didn't lock it or like didn't fortify it correctly so like thousands like like hundreds of years of it's just like someone fucked up wasn't a conspiracy wasn't like like he paid someone or a spy whatever he just fucked up and the yeah that's that's why like social engineering is like the the easiest way in any system. It doesn't matter what like how deep the bank vault is. Like all you have to do is infiltrate the secretary, and yes. then you're in. <laughs> that's so true. That's a good point. And so I think yeah, it's a good way to look at a lot of things. Okay, it can seem weird, or this can seem dumb, or or this decision can be seem can seem so dumb. So you like well, the only way to explain someone being so stupid is there has to be some sort of conspiracy or someone's getting paid or like that's the only way you can explain some this you know decision that seems so crazy to you but it's a big complicated thing run by a bunch of just people and i think that can often explain i mean watching the qanon people melt down because i've been <laughs> i've been watching qanon for like seven i don't know how long forever a kid they ever tell you about my buddy that's like the crazy conspiracy guy i thought we've had conversations about him it depends. Are you going to are you going to dox him? Like, to, no, no, say the I'm, name I'm of not going to dox no? him. But there's, I've like, there's a particular story that I've told a handful of friends. I think you would know it if I told you. Remind me. His uh, this a really good friend of mine. Amongst many of his things, he thought 9/11. Okay, he was right about Jeffrey Epstein forever ago. Before I even knew who that was, and Weinstein. He was into like this before it was a meme. Like he didn't kill himself before that meme. Basically, like years. And he talked about Epstein and Weinstein in these Hollywood. Oh, sorry. Okay, so you're not not the killing himself, but the whole like who Epstein was. Yes, and everything like child okay, child sex trafficking, pedophilia. Yeah, Hollywood politicians. A guy with an island. This dude Epstein. Like years before any of that hit the thing. But in the same breath, so he's right about that. He's an intriguing character. But in the same breath, he also believes 
9-11 was a, somehow a like a cover-up for us trying to recover an alien art of or an artificial intelligence that was created in the future that's aligned with the stars oh, that's no. like it was like he goes wild right so but sometimes he's right it's like playing the slots anyway i don't know why, but he was Dude, why doesn't he just buy into like the normal conspiracy which is that that it was orchestrated by the u.s government in order for like for the the government to get a blank check to go to war with whomever they wanted to like that's the normal conspiracy just buy into that one that one's not as sexy <laughs> duh yeah <laughs> it's got to be about time machines and artificial intelligence <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But he's speaking of that. Did the uh, when did one of those declassified documents come out from the CIA? And is there anything interesting in there? Probably not, right? I think it's 180 days from if it like gets ratified. You're talking about the one in the stimulus bill, like the disclosure thing. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought it was like pretty quickly it comes out. Uh, it anyway. depends on when the countdown. I, I I know it's 180 days, and it uh, was it an amendum to the bill. I don't know if that matters. I don't know if about politics, but I remember reading that. Yeah, some it was an amendum to the bill, it had, and it said you have 180 days to disclose everything. But I don't know if the 180 days. Like when do they start counting that? When the bill goes into effect? Like I don't know when the countdown starts, but I'm fully bought into. I'm fully bought into aliens. Enough where I can just say it. Yeah, dude. The freaking what was that? What was that guy that was on on Rogan? And then he had like a oh, a documentary that I wanted to see. Bob Lasseter, right? He's one of them. Bob Lazar. Then there's the Bob Lazar. Yeah, all all his stuff is super interesting. How he like his his employment, you know, at at the base and super interesting. Everyone go look that up if you haven't heard about his story. Yeah, Bob Lazar is cool. Um, I think. Go down that rabbit hole. My favorite that I've been I've been getting people who are hardcore skeptics to at least articulate, okay, there's a possibility there are craft that seem alien, but it doesn't mean it's aliens. It could be China. It could be Dude, the crazy thing is you could even like fit it into like like religion, you know? And so like if you like, for example, let's just take like the Mormon church. If you if you're Mormon, you believe that the earth was like created, right? And so I I I Correct me if I'm wrong. It's not Mormon doctrine, but dinosaurs, religion says that the earth is how many years old? Like, it's not very old, right? Several thousand. Uh, that's 6,000 seems, six to 10,000 is if you're like a early earth Christian in that range. Yeah. And, and but then like carbon dating, you know, puts the earth at, at like billions, whatever, right? Whatever bajillion so like it how, is. Yeah. Yeah. So how do those two things like reconcile with each other? But like, what if like, you know, so like, what if one way to reconcile it is to say that like, okay, the earth was created from parts of other planets and this other planet had dinosaurs and that yes. was you know that part of that planet got made so what if like a spaceship was part of another planet and that's how it, it got here you know uh, so there's, there's, there's ways to explain it uh, huh. that's interesting i don't know i just had that thought in the moment but like that's that's an easy way to reconcile like well you know christianity says that the earth is ten thousand years old but you know rocks say that it's much older yeah i i I, I have a suspicion i don't know enough about geology but like somehow their dating takes into account the materials because i think the dating it resolves around like pressure from plates and like lines or how oh no carbon i listened to this once carbon dating is some is a isotope yeah radioactive isotope and they can tell by how much is broken down by how old it yes, is yes that's something. carbon dating the rocks I, I forgot what it is about rocks i thought it was something to do with like the layers i know soil they can use layers in soil to get approximate years i don't know how they do rocks yeah i i bet a geologist is like you stupid motherfuckers it's interesting though yeah, right? it is interesting conspiracies conspiracies they're fun i uh i don't even know why we got why did we get on conspiracies i don't know we just went with the flow uh speaking of conspiracies do you wait i don't even know where i was gonna go with that i don't want to get off on conspiracies <laughs> i was thinking about i'm like no 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 no. but we're supposed to be talking about and i can <laughs> rain it in i can edit this so don't worry about it andrew okay what 
You are a person involved with a company called Tobacco Motorwear. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I, uh, I had a friend who we went on a motorcycle trip from San Diego to Cabo San Lucas, which is the entire length of the Baja California Peninsula. Uh, it's a thousand miles one way. We drove down on motorcycles and then drove and rode back on a company's dime. This company does vacation rentals, and I cannot say the company because <laughs> they paid. They paid for that funny story. You, you know the story or well, no? I remember when it was happening. I mean, we were communicating on and off, and I was yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If yeah, it's a funny story. So they, they funded the project because they were going to get content out of it. They funded the project. We shot it. We delivered some rough cuts. You know, and they had notes for us. We made, we, we, we put the notes into the, you know, we, we made new, new rough cuts. We sent it off and they said, eh, it's just not going to work out. Keep the money and everything. Just don't put our name anywhere near the project. And so oh. we're like, okay, great. So we went to their competitor <laughs> and sold them the same package for the same amount of money and they kicked it in and, and then we just put their name on it. And so it worked out great. But we, so we did that project. It ended up with like a nine episode documentary, you know, little episodes, like five, six, seven minutes long, kind of a cool trip. But on that trip, we were kind of like, oh, motorcycles are cool. And it's my friend. Dave, uh, who I had done video work with before, and that was kind of a, a big project. And then kind of from that trip, he he went and through all all downtown LA and had a pair of Kevlar motorcycle jeans made. For those who don't know and don't ride, so Kevlar so gear, motorcycle gear is important, right? So if you if you plan for the crash and the slide, you're protected, right? Because you're you don't you don't plan for like the 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 best case scenario you plan for the worst case scenario right so the worst case scenario is you lay your bike down and you slide down the freeway at at 80 miles an hour so if you do that and you got a pair of pants that have a lining of kevlar inside of it you're protected against road rash and so he had the idea to make a pair and so he said if i want a pair chances are other people want a pair and so we did a kickstarter and then it did pretty well and then here we are five years later with a, a kind of a whole line of protective motorcycle gear that looks really good and it's called tobacco motorwear and what are you uh what would you say your primary responsibility is for tobacco it's changing at this it, you know so dave and i are the, the owners of the company he kind of is the the vision and the the design of product and ideas right and so he's kind of the the conductor and i'm just the freaking powerhouse behind it just moving this whole thing down the tracks and so it's kind of wherever i need to be i'm i'm there but right now it's it's it's, it's really interesting going from just him and i working out of my apartment for several years in this one bedroom apartment to then getting a little storage unit to then getting a little bigger industrial place we actually just moved about a month ago into a bigger warehouse and so it's big enough to where we have a little office area so people can come and work and over the past year or two we've been ramping up staff right and so having people and and so my job right now is really learning how to how to manage people and how to work with people and how to delegate right and so how to leverage and get more done because we've got x number of units available in the day to do anything but if i can use one of those units to get 10 units out of somebody else you know boom that's just way more effective and so it's that whole thing of learning how to manage people and keep people on schedule and 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 figuring out what you know yeah what what people are motivated by how you know how they how they work and then how they how to get the best out of them you know and then and then a lot of times yeah, hiring hiring is 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 a huge job you know so you have a new mm-hmm. position open you want to fill and so you know going through resumes and and, and interviewing candidates and and because if you put the time in there then you get someone good and if you kind of short change that then you're stuck with someone for for a while till you let them go in two or three months and you gotta do the whole process over again and so yeah. so it's really right now it's about scaling a business right and so we're looking to grow. 100% from what we did last year. And so it's just scaling all the problems with or challenges that come with that, right? You liking it? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's fun. It seems like a, it seems like a good fit for your brain. I can see why you're the go like the powerhouse. One of the best people is just like let's get shit done that I've ever met would be Andrew Hancock. Yeah, it's, yeah dude. I I've, I've had to curb like my I can treat myself in a certain way, but other people can't yes. don't like to be treated that way, right? And so it just yeah, I just I just love being blunt and just being like, okay, you said you would do it by this day. It's this day. It's not done. <laughs> I, do you want to, sp- I, what, what happened? Like, it's just, you know, like, oh, I just, you know, I had this, I had that. And so it's being able to like, not just, just be super blunt with people and, and yeah. And so, yeah, learning how to, how to, how to work with people, you know? It's, it's been cool to watch tobacco grow. I was thinking when you were talking about a Kickstarter, I don't know off the top of my head, maybe you don't, you know, cause you've done a few, what percentage of Kickstarters, maybe even specifically in the clothing end up being around five years later? Oh, geez. I don't know. It's gotta be I mean, pretty low. I would, it's gotta be super low. It's gotta be in the single digits. Yeah. of a percentages yeah. right absolutely yeah so it's pretty badass yeah it's hard to think of any like it's you know i don't know if it's it's because they, it's a payday for them and, and they they cashed out and and that was our one thing but um, you know we that was a, the start of a company for us and so we just kept reinvesting everything back into it and and working out of a one-bedroom apartment you know and then having this be our our thing you know and so there was no other day jobs it was just this and so and then the ability and dave is to his credit just really pushing of of coming out with more stuff right so we started with pants and so we did pants for for the longest time and then the second year we finally came out with a new product it was like a, a right as a shirt like a jacket and then the next that was like the only new product for the in the second year and then the third year a couple more things and then like really starting to push like this year we're gonna get into some fashion and, and boots and another jacket and different pants and different women stuff and just really really pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing that's super uncomfortable for me because i'm like we already have all these fires that you know we're doing yes we could be doing better at like our first pants like why are we doing a second product if we're, our first product isn't fully optimized and we're not you know firing there but it's just yeah going outside your comfort zone and being able to grow and being able to to add more and more and more and and do you have some Someone who specifically works on just refining existing products, and you focus on the new ones. Is that how it works? Nah, we have no. That's that's Dave. There's no refinement on existing. I mean, there's there's refinement as we have to do. Like we've had the men's stuff is pretty much dialed. We nail yeah. it the first time, and 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 we come out with it. But it's the women's stuff that's really hard. Mm. Like the women's jeans, we've had to go back to the drawing board probably every single production run that we do. So we'll do a production run of two or three hundred pair of jeans. We'll get feedback on how they fit. You know, we do our, our absolute best that we can uh, using the people that we that we use. Okay, so these models that they, they tell us they fit this way, so we'll make a bunch of different samples. Okay, we got it into a place. Now we'll make 300 pairs. Now we'll send them out there. Oh, now everyone's saying they fit this way. They're like too big in the waist, too tight in the hips, too loose in the calves, you know. And so we'll have to change the next run of two or 300 pair of jeans. And so we're we're finally like four years later to a place where they're they're semi decent. But it doesn't help too that that a lot of times women's jeans have to fit everywhere perfectly. You know, they have to fit in the waist, <laughs> the hips, the thigh, the knee, the the calf. Whereas dudes, it just has to fit. In the in the in the waist right it has to stay around and not fall down and boom you know yeah. that's good yeah I, I that kind of makes sense i hadn't thought about that until you're bringing it up i remember you venting about women's jeans and it seemed like eight years ago so yeah you've been working on that for ages i get it yeah my, yeah. yeah my wife is anal about jeans i get it and uh shoot and everyone you know and yeah women especially are because they're they're form-fitting and they're all skinny jeans right they're all and so they do have to fit very there's no margin of error they have to fit perfectly man well i'm dude it's crazy to see you guys be so successful what are you how are you feeling about the future is it like just ride this out 
Till the day you die? It's, you know, yeah. You know, eventually we'll sell it. That's kind of the, the you know, eventually it'll, that's just kind of what happens to these brands. Yeah. You know, they just get, there's, there's a handful of companies out there that own all the, the motorcycle brands. But at this point, it's, 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 we're growing pretty rapidly. And so it, every month we can hold out. Not that we've gotten any offers whatsoever, but so that's not even on the table, but it's, you're just more and more valuable like every single day, yeah. you know? And so it's just every unit of energy we put in now, like, we see like three units of payoff, you know, of results that come out the other end, right? And so there's no cap we've hit yet. We're still so small that there's nothing but room for more growth. Damn, we'll check. I hope everyone checks it out. Um, I'm freaking stoked. Like that's a... Yeah, Cade was a part of it. He was, you know, for the... Cade was was our marketing, you know, for a couple of years. He was SEO and that's was, that's was, that was the thing. You, if you guys were tiny. I remember going to that one bedroom apartment and you and you've been rolling in that thing hard for ages it's impressive yeah dude but now that the company's not in it i have it freaking set up great i love this little apartment like but now there's not yeah just random people just constantly like it, it freaking that grinded my gears as just when there's several people and just like this is my space get out <laughs> Are you uh, planning any games with this newfound freedom now that you have a warehouse? You know, I, I kind of became the person I swore I would never become, which is funny because <laughs> in high school I was I w- and junior high and and and. I think it was third grade. I got a Sega Genesis. That's when it all started. So yeah, so the majority of my my childhood, I was like, I'm a freaking, I'm a video gamer. And you would see adults who wouldn't play video games, right? And you're like, you freaking idiots, you're missing out. These are the greatest things ever. But now I just, I'd rather be building. I'd rather be woodworking and 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 welding and and doing like that kind of stuff rather than than sitting down. It's really hard for me to just sit there because I used to be able to play. Literally, I could sit there for and just power through like a six seven hour session, right? You freaking no interruptions, like absolutely like just give me the controller and i'll freaking i'll play the game you know but now i play for like 10 minutes and i get add and and it's weird like i'm i i'm the witcher 3 right came out several years ago i got it for the switch and i've, I've played it and i think i'm on the very last mission so i literally am right there where i'm gonna get all of the the satisfaction <laughs> of beating the game but it still sat there on on beat for several months now you know well, it's weird well still though so, i mean to play the witcher 3 to that point is it's at least like 30 hours did you spread that out over like really small- it was a bunch yeah it literally it's funny because i was for tobacco i was flying when uh there was this there a bunch of conferences across the country right and so or not um expos and so i would literally play it on on flights <laughs> and i would play the entire flight and so i still can if there's no like when you're on a flight there's nothing else to do and so i could power through a freaking seven hour yeah you know witcher three session and there was a guy on there i sat next to a guy sometime and i, I sold i told him and i was like oh yeah i just play on on flights you know whenever i get on a flight every month or so and he's like that's a terrible way to play an rpg and i'm like yeah it absolutely is because there's so much story behind it and so much everything but just once a month is not it's not a way to play it but i can't remember shit the next time you start playing again you're like wait what what am i supposed to do yeah what what, what happened who's this guy ah yeah what are the controls again <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> Yeah. How does it run on the Switch? Dude, it runs great. Really? Yeah, it runs killer. And I've I've heard that it has terrible load times on like the PS4. And it, load times are are not an issue at all. Yeah, it runs amazing on the Switch. The Switch is the greatest little thing. It's so if you don't have one, get one, man. Because there's three games. There's The Witcher Three. There's uh, Mario Odyssey, one of the greatest Mario's, and then Zelda, obviously. But yeah, the Switch is dope. I like the Switch. I only play Smash on it though. I I'm not a fan of fighting games. So, but Smash is not a fighting huge... game. Have you tried Smash? I have not, but uh, you know, yeah, that's 
standing from afar to me it's a fighting game but i guess if you're into if you're big into that it's not a fighting game like i don't know what tekken or whatever other fighting games there are or street fighter yes but to me it's like a street fighter game technically you are not incorrect it's a fighting game but it's like it's a completely unique subgenre. it's like one step away from being its own thing so maybe you'd like it okay i think it's also i've never approached it as like a, a, a game that you get to learn because you like i've always just mashed buttons and so i've never like sat down and tried to learn a fighting game where it's like strategy because you kind of have to with like those kind of games yes. right you just like you have to parry and you have to block and you have to like counterattack and then attack and that's all there but i smash bros the reason i think it's like a really well-loved and endeared game is it's it takes that and it ref- it's like the apple version of fighting games they refine it down to mm. like the core and when you play it, it's like, I don't know. It's just, for example, it's the only fighting game that I play. The only one. And I've put hours and hours mm. in. And I'm good at it. Like, I like talking shit, playing people, because I'm pretty decent at it. And it's that is the only fighting game that I've put any time into. So maybe, just maybe, it's uh, you might like it. I don't know. I would say 50-50. You have, to teach, you have to teach me one of these days. I can learn pretty quickly. I In high school, I got I got an Xbox and I had I had I I was playing Halo. And I wasn't very good at it. And I had a friend that was really good at it. And I was like, dude, I'll buy you a Little Caesars pizza if you teach me how to play. <laughs> halo and there was another friend that was there and this guy was teaching me and i i was beating the other friend that was there and he was like dude stop stop teaching him stop he's beating me now i'm a a quick learner i just gotta be taught dude i have a i have no doubt that you're a quick learner i have no doubt about that you have natural amphetamines running in your blood like and you've been like that since the day i met you dude there's good and bad to that the good is that like i get very excited and i can i can dive in deep on something because the beginning of something is where the results are right so like you put in a minute of study and you're learning 10x 10x yeah of anything right but then eventually you hit that wall where you got to put in the time to get better and better and better and like it's the tiny little minute details you have to learn and like the trial and error yeah. and like it's it's really hard for me to get past that point to become like anything more than just oh i, I know about something or i'm good enough of something mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of funny because that's what i'm like with my woodworking I'm, i want to get past that point where i'm actually like not a master because I, I don't want to dedicate, dedicate my life to it but like just where it's it's more than just like a passing hobby you know yes. or it's and so there's yeah pros and cons to that kind of a of a way your brain works i, sh- I have a similar in that, that regard i get pretty good like i get to where i can hang with other people who are good I'm not the best, but it's like, I don't know how to explain it. Like once people respect you for it, if it's a competitive thing or a skill thing, you're right. Like you get to a point that you realize if I want to be really good at this, I have to get rid of everything else. And I like getting good at things. I'm interested in too many things. It sounds like you get farther than I do though. Like you get like respect from it. I never get there. I always like just want to learn just enough about it to like have a conversation about it and then move on. (laughs) I mean, I think I've done, you probably have a wider skill set, but I think the approach is the same. I think it boils down to you can either... Either A, be a jack of many trades, but a master of none, but put them together in an interesting way and find a path. Or you can go all in on something, like all, yeah. all in. Like those are the, I, I just, I've never been able, there's like nothing on this earth that interests me enough to cut off all the other things I'm interested in. There's just, there's no way I can do it. And I feel like at that point, it's not even like the interest will carry you. Like if you're going to become a chess grandmaster, that's not like... It's not the chess is that interesting that it, it that it carries you through five decades of of playing chess. Yeah. Like it's something else. It's like it just some like, sort of obsession or I don't know. It's an obsession and chess happens to be the outlet that like was the target of that fixation yeah. that you just went 
on, you know? And so definitely pros and cons with, with that kind of stuff. But I being able to learn just multiple skill sets and then being able to like have just your tool belt just get so big and being able to creatively solve problems with all these tools from different things that you've learned. It's just so satisfying, you know, especially with like working my hands and like building stuff. It just, you're like, Oh, I can kind of weld and kind of metal work and kind of woodwork. And I can use this, you know, technique and woodworking to like, to fix this problem here. And then even like in, in like building stuff, like home improvement stuff or like really anything, there's like, if you just stop and take a second, you, there's chances are you have something. If you know enough about enough things, you can tap into that and use that to solve just new problems in your life. It's great. Definitely. Definitely. And I, that just seems to be, I don't know. It's just the way my brain stays balanced and satisfied. So I don't self-destruct is I spread, I spread out like creative. Cause I kind of do the same thing. I would think about you're talking. I'm, oh, I kind of get where Andrew's coming from with the, the woodworking. I'm sort of doing the same thing, but it's all digital. Like I'm pretty good at audio. I can do a little video. I can do a little graphic design. I can talk like, okay, how do I put this all together and, and, and make something cool and nothing's, you seem like, better at woodworking though because when i see your that cloud piece i don't know maybe it's because it's a truly original idea for reference you built this like what would you like stuffing cloud from like did you see did you see what that that was that was a a small piece of the puzzle to a whole piece that i did have you seen the whole thing you sent me a picture of like a ceiling to to or ground a ceiling mirror or close yeah so it was yeah so that's my most recent project and it came out really really well but it, everyone has seen it if you haven't google it mountain pallet wall art and so people take pallets take them apart and then take the boards from it and then put the the pallet boards at 45 degree angles next to each other and line them up so and then kind of and layer them so it looks like mountains so it's like a mountain range they're usually small pieces on the wall right? they're like two feet wide or three or four feet wide by a couple feet tall right but so not andrews like a, just, <laughs> yeah i had i had a wall that i needed to fill and this wall was uh, six feet wide by eight feet tall. And so I wanted one of those mountain wall art pieces to fill the whole wall. And so I came in six inches from each side and I, I made this this mountain wall art and I, I have yet to post it on Instagram. I need to. Uh, but then at the top, it has a, uh, and everyone has seen these too, but it's a, it's a cloud lamp, right? And so you take, uh, a lot of people take a, a Chinese lantern, a paper lantern, and you hot glue gun cotton batting. So like what is the inside of a quilt, right? So you hot glue gun that around the outside of it and then you shove the inside full of LED lights and it glows and it looks really cool because it's like a glowing cloud. And so I took these, you know, again, so I'm really good at, at, at taking ideas and modifying them and putting them together. And so for this thing, again, that mountain wall art, I'd never seen one that big. And so I, I made it that size because I wanted it that big. Uh, and then at the very top of it, I have this cloud that's the width of the the piece that's, uh, what is it, like five and a half feet wide total, right? And it's like a giant tube. And so it's just a bunch of uh, cotton glued around uh, this structure I made out of a bunch of water bottles that I cut the ends off of and kind of riveted them or glued them together and then put an LED strip inside of it. And then on the mountains, I have an LED strip behind each of the mountain ranges. There's four of them that kind of stacked up on top of each other going up the piece. Uh, the cloud is on its own zone and the mountains are on their own zone. And so what that means is you can control the color of each of those independently. And so a thing that I, I didn't foresee was that the the mountain lights splash onto the bottom of the, of the cloud lights. Uh, or the cloud. Uh, and so you can get this cool like gradient. And so based on like the colors you choose for the cloud and the mountains and how they relate to each other, you get really cool things. So you can do like a sunset or you can do like a weird like with a cloud super pink and the, the mountains are really green. So it's like this 2D 
moody kind of a, a color scheme. And so, yeah, and so just kind of combining stuff that I've seen and liked and, and I try and like, like, oh, that's a cool thing. Or I'll like, you know, see like how what someone does and I'll try and make that an aspect of a, of a project and kind of just combine stuff in creative ways. And that's the more I read about creativity, the more that's all it is, right? Yeah. And so that's all anybody does that. That's what creativity is, is combining things in a new way. So you don't have to reinvent anything. You just combine things in a new way and do it your own style and boom, that's originality. That's all it's ever been for, I think, 99, maybe like 0. 0.5, 0.9%. I don't think it happens much anymore because maybe those people that seem like truly unique, they pull things out of the the ether. Maybe they're just combining things at like a, a deeper level so you can't see where they're pulling it from, but the process is the same. It's just like a deeper version. And now everyone sees everything in the internet. It's even the playing field. I don't really think that happens anymore. Part of me believes there's like maybe some magic to creativity because I like the idea, but the truth is I think you're right. It's just breaking things you've been exposed to down and then your brain putting them together in a, a different way. And I think it comes out of the ether because like in your subconscious, it's like your brain's chewing and then all of a sudden like sometimes you get an idea and it seems or it can, the experience can be like, ooh, I tapped into something special. And I think it's just your Yeah, like it happens all the time with like comedians, right? Like they get accused of joke theft and all they are is like they heard a joke, you know, and they, they their brain stored it and then they presented it back to them and so they think it's an original thought but like, no, it's a thing they heard, you know, 10 years ago but then they get... You said your first console was the Sega Genesis? Yes, it was. Yes, sir. What, what year? I think you're born 85, right? Same year as me? 86. 86. Yeah, I was you're born, a little bit yeah. younger. I was going to say, normally I guess the first console, but I wouldn't have guessed. If you said 86, I would have guessed the NES. I would have got it wrong. But Sega Genesis, did you like it? Oh, you said you were way into games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, dude, I, I, yeah, that was, that was my life. Ooh, like I, my, tell me. Oh yeah. Dude, my dad tried to, to make baseball a thing and we, <laughs> and we did put a ton of baseball. I hated every second of it. Um, I actually no. I don't know if I hated every second of it. I just I don't know. I, I didn't like it. Um, it just it was so long, especially on Saturdays. It was like an hour and a half of the warm up, you know, for a warm up, and then two to three hours for the game, and then you know two hours for practice on the weekdays, um, once a week, and just so much time commitment, you know. Yeah. And, and but no, man, video games were 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 my jam. What uh, what do you remember from the Genesis? What stands out? Oh, are you kidding me? Did everything. So the, it started. <laughs> I got the <laughs> the Sega Genesis Lion. King bundle. Oh um, shit! Oh yeah, dude. Lion King was 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 the first game we got right, um, and I got I got shit from it from a friend who was like, "Why'd you get Lion King? The game's so easy to beat." And I'm like, "I don't know. I like it." Um, and actually, wasn't easy for me to beat because it was it took it was a lot of work. Have you played Lion King? It was on the Super Nintendo as well. I don't know. So I definitely played both of them. I get them mixed up. And I think there's a fair amount of difference between the two because people argue oh, about like, which version is better. I can't remember what the what the gamer consensus is on that one. But I played the Genesis version, not the, the Super Nintendo version as well. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the one. Yeah, and so the second level was the one that was hard, where you have to growl at the monkeys to get them to change, and then yes. they throw you different ways. That was always super hard. And then there was the stampede was a really hard level until you figured out that if you went all the way to the right, you were fine. Yeah. <laughs> you take like two hits the whole time, and and that was a good cheat. And then the to this day, I still don't know how to. I've done it several times, and I can do it whenever I want to, but I have no idea how the very very end when you when you flip uh, Scar off the edge of the cliff. I have no idea what the buttons you press. You kind of just press a bunch of buttons and then Simba will like go into this thing where he rolls into him and flips him off the side of the cliff, right? But I have no idea. And the first time I did it, it blew my mind because I was just smashing. You have to like hit him enough times to where he starts to just like lick his like paw. Uh. And then you can like, and then you go up to him and you're at, the, you're at the top of the rock, right? When it's like raining and lightning and thunder and there's like fire on different places, but you just mash a bunch of buttons and then he'll flip and throw him off the cliff. Remember that part? But if you don't do it, right? He resets and you have to attack him 
again until he does the animation. You can't, yeah, you have to like back him up to like the edge of the cliff and then go to the other side of him to where your back is to the edge of the cliff. And then you like have to like hit him a couple different ways, but close enough to where the edge of the cliff so that you can flip and roll him off. And if you don't, he will, he hits you. I think you're a superior Lion King player. I don't think I ever did that. I think I've seen footage because I can picture the background of the Pride Rock, like the final scene. Yep. But I yep. don't think it's I like ever purple. beat it. Yeah. And so that was back in the era of like when beating a game was like a big deal, right? So it's kind of a big deal now, but not like it was back then, right? Another game that, that I freaking, that when we beat it, I was mind-blowing. It was my grandma's house. And it was Ristar. Do you ever play that game? I don't think so. What's it called again? Let me look it up. It's called Ristar. And it's a dope game. It's super creative. It's it's really, it's a really fun game. Oh, the star kid? No, just Ristar. R-I-S-T-A-R. Ristar. Yeah, Ristar. The star dude. Like the little... uh Oh yeah, the star guy. Yeah, yeah. it's like a black ball with like a star yeah, yeah. on like his whole body. I have played this. It was uh, the animation is amazing. The graphics are super it's so poppy. amazing, and every single level, just every everything about every single level is super new and creative, and had its own challenges. And yeah, every level was its own world, and with its own different mechanics and its own everything. And it was really, really a fun game. I need to play and the best one. part about that game is there was a cheat code that you could pop around to different levels whenever you wanted. Super easy. And so you would get good at really all the levels. I don't know if I've ever played it all the way through. Uh, I played every level, I beat every level, but just not A to Z. Yeah, yeah. But the final boss was one of the hardest bosses um, at the time, right? Because I had there was you had no idea what to do. You know, you were kind of just dying constantly, and then you would like get a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further, and then eventually you you beat this final boss, and you just it's just it's mind blowing. Yeah, that those old so. games. The people, it's hard to remember the amount of trial and error and the grind that it took. Cause it's really like you get a little bit farther, you fail, and then you have to memorize a little bit more. And then you die. It, yeah. it goes out through the whole thing again. And you get really, really good at like the first half of the game. Oh, yeah. 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 It's crazy. Yeah. Damn. I forgot about this game. I did play. I need to, I'm actually going to do some videos on this. I, I, for, uh, I've been fucking around with, uh, messing with emulators and uploading videos like uh, old games in 4K. Yeah, I've seen them. You freaking, it's a. It, you see, you seem super knowledgeable on those videos. Like, do you what? Did you like? Is that your knowledge, or do you do a bunch of research? Because you're like, oh, and this year this came out, and this year this came out, and this YouTuber did this, and this and this, and just like, holy crap, Cade's a freaking. No, none of it's. He's the Bible. None here. of it's original. I just like I want to. I just interested in like what can you do to these old games? What what is the community created? What mods have been made? How you know? And more, obviously, more popular games get uh like more love there's more things you can mess yeah. with and, and see how you can like the golden eye super mario thing you just posted yeah, about yeah that looks super fun <laughs> um but the another thing i've been doing is just messing with actual emulators and like ways to up res old pixel games but make them look cool and i found actually that out of all these like crazy filters and things you play with just scaling things at a perfect pixel ratio so the games are still pixelated but the pixels are ultra sharp and defined in 4k but like the pixel art looks good even when it's like scaled up and a lot of these like yeah. newer emulators and things you play on like the app store they do these algorithms like that blur and create pixels in the middle and uh i found actually just scale it up to 4k at a perfect ratio and they look awesome so this is a game i want to try that just on. like lean into the whole look of it don't try yes. and make it all like pretty looking yeah just preserve yeah. it as it is because the pixels are so easily defined. It's easy for the algorithm to upscale it because there's literally squares. Like it yeah. upscales it perfect. It's like, it's amazing. And, uh, if you like the pixel style, it looks good. Anyway, so Rice Star, this is a good one. There was another one. I think it was only on, oh, Rayman. Did you ever play the original Rayman? It had a similar Never did. art style to this. No. And then there was one, I think called 
tempo. Anyway, these like cartoony ones. Yeah. Aladdin. Do you ever play oh, Aladdin? Aladdin well, was speak, a fun yeah. game. Yeah. The Genesis version. That was a tough game. Is one of the one of the games that Genesis players could truly look at a Super Nintendo player and be like, "Bitch, Aladdin is better on the Genesis." Some people disagree, That's... but the vast majority of people agree. In general, there was like Sega Genesis versus SNES, but I never really got into conversations about people with individual games. But it was always like I always felt inferior with my Genesis, you know, and other friends that had the Super Nintendo because they always had like the the claymation fighting and like all those like adult games that were really just teen, you know. But they were like the cool like hardcore games, and like Sega Genesis never had that. It always had like cartoon games, you know. Maybe your maybe your parents were uh... they absolutely were because there was but... definitely some Genesis. Like they had the Mortal Kombat, yeah, yeah. I did go to my friend's house. That same friend that gave me shit about Lion King. <laughs> I went to his house for a, a sleepover one night on Friday night. Played Mortal Kombat all night, so that was fun. Yeah, that was. Uh, your parents were probably filtering that a little bit because uh, I think that the general consensus would, would be flipped. Most people would say, "Gen, really, yeah, yeah." And I think if we really looked wow. at, I mean, I'm not like claiming to be a, like a wizard on every game on every system. But yeah. my get my I would be like seventy five percent confident to throw my money on black that it's a uh, it's flipped because Nintendo I mean Nintendo did play around with before they went full kid friendly which was like the GameCube was the last thing that had anything that was like teen or mature like Nintendo published and even even on the platform I guess indie games are different on the Switch now it's a uh, Genesis man yeah like the, even the commercials in the nineties were like Genesis does what Nintendo don't. And it was mocking like oh, Nintendo's yeah. family thing, and like we're the hardcore edgy '90s Chico's chains, yeah. red hair mohawks. Yeah, and then we had I had we we got 32x, which is that dumb little hardware attachment yes. thing that, that goes into yes. like the console. Dude, we l- never let got. Me, let me cut you I off. I never had a 32x game though. But go on. Oh damn it! I was gonna say I was gonna cut you off. Did you? The 32x is one of the one of the more rare peripherals and things that have existed in the North American market. So I was gonna say, and oh, I really? had one. Too. And I would say you like I don't think you understand that makes you kind of a cool kid. Like you had a 32x. That's yeah. rare, super rare. Yeah, we got it, but then we didn't like know what to do with it because like the games that were available for it. I don't know what. And I think I watched a video the other day on it, and it was like, oh, it actually didn't do anything. I forgot what it said, but what was the what's the breakdown of it? Is it anything? Did it like make the games better and the games that? No, so it was definitely sold. I don't know if this was a misinterpretation. I'd have to research it or like Sega consciously sort of bullshitted but my mom <laughs> was sold it being told that it's gonna improve all existing games and then have uh games that could only be played on 32x half of that was true there's a bunch of games that are 32x only and they do take advantage of some extra power provided by the add-on but they don't really do anything for existing games and a lot of people it was sort of sold at least in my memory and a lot of people have told me i, that. I remember i want to say i remember that too i want to say i remember like this is gonna be all games look great no, it just but i did have star wars which is like the considered one of the only good 32x games there's a sonic mm. on 32x there were games that were 32x only that did have features and graphics and certain they did things that couldn't be done on the genesis by itself but it was only like i want to say if i remember like 30 to 50 games total i could be wrong but i swear that's what i remember it was a small number like there's not that many 32x yeah. games did you get the sega cd by chance because i never did i did not oh yeah no nope. i think that one that was that well. was was that after Genesis, but before Sega Saturn? But that was an add-on for the Genesis, along with the 32X. Oh, right. So a fully modded Genesis, at the end of its lifetime, had the 32X and the Sega CD. And you can find pictures of like the whole system. And there were some even some other peripherals. Uh, it, they look badass. Like you should look up, I don't know, like YouTube, like 
Genesis uh, 32X and CD. It looks like some Blade Runner shit when they're all put together. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah. Like, it's, the 32X looks cool. It does look cool. It's like this bulbous like thing, especially I had the – apparently I found out like years later it was like the second version because the Sega Genesis was – the Master Drive was – or the Mega Drive was the was the original Genesis, right? Yes. It was a big thing. And then the Sega Genesis was like the smaller little box that was the same thing. But, but yeah, with that, with the 32X on it, it looked really cool. It looks badass. Yeah. I, I, I think I have some nostalgia bias when it comes to any sort of 90s aesthetic. And I think the 90s are, they're going to become like the 80s in the sense of, like, you can always do throwback content around 80s and most people will have, like, at least a mild positive bias towards it. Like, who doesn't like 80s so shit? Like, it's far enough away to where, like, they forgot all the realities of yeah. it. And so it's just like, oh, it's like escapism. And like, oh, it's just this time where everything was cool and we hung out at the mall all day. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, well, well, there's going to be, I feel the 90s are coming that way too. I think that cycle is going to come to the 90s and I'm all for it. I'm all about it. <laughs> oh, no, dude. With like everyone with their like shades, you know, yeah. and they're like. It's coming. I'm calling oh, it right no. now. It's coming. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just going to eat to. it up. It has to. Did you play a game Primal Rage by chance? I don't know why that popped in my mind. It was like, you said Claymation. So. It was, uh, so before 3D graphics really took off at the, at the tail end of 2D graphics, this is kind of generalization, but basically some of the cutting edge technology towards the end before we switched over to 3D were games that were taking like the sprite processing offline. So they were either doing supercomputer shit, like early renderings of 3D. That was like Donkey Kong Country. Those games, uh, Killer Instinct, where they would make these 3D models and they would do the rendering of the frames on like another computer and they would export that and like take them down to the pixel ratio and the colors that the Super Nintendo could handle and then that was what the asset that the game used. So it would make games look really, really good, like better than what the, what the machine could, you would typically think could handle because it was really sort of all being baked in and done by supercomputers. Well, another way they did that, where they did stop motion, the claymation, which was like the clay fighter. And there's this one that I think is the king of all this style called Primal Rage. And if you haven't seen it, look it up. It's like that ancient dinosaur gods, like reptile gods killing each other in like little humans and you can eat the humans. And the claymation is outstanding. So if it's stop motion, is it is it literally just a bunch of different video clips that the game is calling upon to like, okay, now you're playing, now you're playing, now you're playing, and they're just like seamlessly being edited together in real time? They're making frames. So like like a typical sprite animation would be would be like maybe like okay, their their standing idle motion might be four frames or five frames. And so they mm-hmm. would they would have a claymation model and just like a movie, they snap a picture, then they move it a little bit, and they snap a picture, and then they move it a little bit, and they they take these little loops. And like, that's your idle animation. Now, when they press kick, he's going to do a kick animation. So they make a kick animation and they make, they take the pictures and they break it down into frames. They're just pictures that are in frames, but the pictures, not only yeah. it's like stop motion for a movie, but they have an added layer of complexity, which is what the, what those older machines could handle in terms of rev- resolution and color was really limited. So you'd actually have to, you'd have to condense the images down to like whatever set of colors that machine. And there was, there was kind of an artistic element to how do you de-res these pictures and maintain as much fidelity that's baked into this, this snapshot of a clay model that was lit perfectly you know, taken on probably analog film at the time i would guess i don't think digital was probably 
that good. I don't know. You good know enough, more about yeah, that yeah. in the 90s, the state of digital. But my guess would be analog film, which is really good quality. Then you got to take that frame down and turn it into something the machine can handle. Anyway, that's going super nerdy. But I think Primal Rage is like the, the tip of the spear when it comes to that style. Yeah, it's super interesting because Banjo-Kazooie, the original Banjo-Kazooie for Nintendo 64, I heard that it was a stupid small file size the entire game every every bit of music every bit of animation everything in there i want to say it wasn't four kilobytes but i want maybe it was 20 kilobytes google it real quick and see what it is but it was insanely small but like i like sega genesis cartridge how big how much memory is on how much those entire games how big were those those That's were like in the question those weren't megabytes those were kilobytes right how how much could a sega genesis cartridge hold I should know this. Yeah, ins- I five heard megabytes. the, the Banjo-Kazooie in it. Wait, five four megabytes? Bi- four megabytes originally, and then they started making some five megabyte cartridges. And I'm pretty sure that's what the 32X essentially did. Is it like allowed for more memory? More memory? Yeah. Is that all it was? Yeah. Okay, yeah, maybe it's not kilobytes, but they're megabytes. But still, though, still, five megabytes like, for a game. That's insane. Yeah. That's absolutely insane. Like a song, like even a crappy rendered song, like is, yes. is how many megabytes, right? Yes. Like, a freaking MP3 is is three megabytes, and that's garbage. Yep. So what's a yeah? That's what I think. Maybe that's some of the reason why I've been a little bit obsessed with retro games as, as I get older. Like I'm realizing like the artistry of like refining things down to what matters. Dude, you I think you freaking you probably already seen them, but there are I forget who who the series who they make them, but I want to say it's they take designers of of old games and and they pretty much sit them down and they tell and these designers tell like, the game the stories of the game for like 45 minutes to an hour and they talk a lot about like like the guy that made I saw the one on Mist and then the guy behind Abe's are uh, Odd World, the uh, Abe's Odyssey, or or those games. I have right? not seen. I've seen things like that, but definitely not that because Odd World is one of my favorite games of all time, and I have not. Dude, seen you that. would freaking you would love that. What dude, is this I, shit I, called? I played I played Munch's Odyssey. I forget what they're. I want to say Tales from the Tales from the from the game uh, developer or something. Not from the grave. It's from like the. If you Google like, I'll have to look up and, and tell you. But maybe if you just try and Google around Tales of um, Tales game developer. Tales, of two. No. Tales from the yeah, look up like the story behind Mist or the and then, then again it's a series and so it's gonna be it's like really well produced. I don't know if IGN produces it or if like I don't think Vanity Fair does it, but like anyway, they're freaking rad because they talk about like oh yeah, with the original Mist, you know, we had a disc size of this big and so we had to compress this down and so we had to like do this hack thing to like pr- make it feel like there was motion, but it's actually just a bunch of photos, you know. Is it and, called and, Telltale, the human stories behind the games? No, maybe. How long are those videos? I, know, I just this is a YouTube one. It doesn't look. They're they're YouTube videos, but they're I'll have to find them because they were a while ago. God but damn it! You yeah, must that, tell me that story. I need to know. All right, let me. Yeah, I, I'll uh, Let's see. What is it? What was that? Let's look up the game. Do we have time, or do we have to like? Do we have to kill time? Dude, I have time, and I can edit out whatever the shit I want to edit out. All right. Yeah. Let me. Odd World. I maybe I look up Odd World documentary episode. Maybe that will. Get... Get us what we're looking for. How Mind Controlled saved Oddworld's Abe Odyssey War Stories, Ars Technica. I, War Stories. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yes. That's it. And there's a, whole, look, there's a whole the sh- shot looks really clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, if they're, they're, there's a whole bunch of them. Again, I saw the one on Mist, which I never even played, but it seemed interesting. But then the one on, you know, they're 45 minutes long. They're freaking amazing because they go into like all the history behind it, behind the game, and like the politics of what happened and like, oh, this guy made this and, and that, you know, he made this decision and this is why that didn't get into the game or, 
it, war stories they're yeah so check those out they're freaking dope because i i played i didn't even play the original one from odd world which is what uh, abe's odyssey is yes, that what it was I'm pretty sure abe's odyssey i played when i got my original xbox it came with a a disc that had some demos on it but it also came with jet set radio future which is one of my favorite games and the, it also came with munch's odyssey which mm-hmm. was like a kind of a weird sequel and he, he barely touches on it in this video on that war stories video because he made his first one and that was like a, a killer game right but then he came out with like other ones that he was disappointed with which was munch's odyssey but i really really enjoyed munch's odyssey it was very creative, very unique, and a very like cool puzzle and like great stories and the great like the way you you like controlled other beings, you know, and you got them and you know like mind control into yes. like your your army and you would do stuff and just really 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 unique puzzles, right? So that's what those games, anyway. those games, that's what those games primarily are. They're they're puzzle games with like really cool skins and like lore attached to it, but. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's the whole, the whole world, right? There's a whole like evil corporation, and yeah. and yeah, it's all really, really cool. And that's also another one that was PlayStation One era, but they were doing a similar thing where they would, they would do the rendering of their the assets that the game used offline, and then they, they would basically retrofit them to fit into the engine. And uh, that's odd. Yeah, those games graphically at the time were very mind blowing as well. And then that leads into the era of when they started doing full CGI sequences. I remember them on the PS1 primarily when like games would have a cutscene and it would be computer. Tomb Raider had a yeah, Tomb killer cutscene. And then it went to the game and you're like, this is trash. <laughs> yeah, but like you would live for the, I would live for these cutscenes. Like when I'm playing through the game and part of my motivation was I want to see that next cutscene, baby. Those graphics were dope. Yeah, I, I I had a, a Nintendo 64, so I went the Nintendo 64 that generation. I was I was the Nintendo, and so I later got a PlayStation. I want to say when I got a PlayStation Two, I got I got I was playing PS One games because I I didn't have a PlayStation at the time, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was playing these PS One games on the PS Two, and I was just like. I, I want to say I, I was like, all right, we're gonna try Tomb Raider, right? And I, I just this game is garbage. Like I, the movements are terrible, and I'm trying to jump, and I keep missing the jump. Like this is just garbage. Yes. <laughs> PS One games, but it's it's my favorite console, and there's like you have to really, yeah, you have to. Um, there's just a magic to the like to the shittiness of PS One. Like there's a, <laughs> there's a magic to because cool borders because there's like there's a lot. The PS One also before the PS Two I think was the console with the most games. There's a lot of there's some saturation and there's some junk on the PS One because it ended up being a fairly cheap and easy comparatively to develop for that console. It, it sold really well and so it was it was like a good place to to release things on. It was like a, the safe the safe bet and uh, there's a lot of junk and. <laughs> Tomb Raider, if Tomb Raider was released at the tail end of the PlayStation 1 life cycle, it wouldn't have been a hit. It's a terrible mm. game. And like they were in the early days of 3D. So that game is like just pure nostalgia. It is objectively a terrible game to play. <laughs> like it sucks. It's so hard to move and the camera's stuck behind you yeah. and. Ugh. Yeah, but there are games that play really well. In fact, I was playing this game recently called Wipeout XL. It's like anti-gravity racing. It's, it's uh, really similar to F-Zero on the Super Nintendo. It's like race cars, but they, they like, they're anti-gravity. They don't, there's no wheels. Like little spaceships you race on a track. And uh, the game plays, the game ran at 60 frames a second on the PS1. Or maybe it Jeez. didn't. It might have been 30. It was either locked 30 or 60. The game still plays really tight. Like I play it and have a good time. So there are games on the PS1 that were good, but there's just so many like Tomb Raider, especially third-person action games. They hadn't figured out how controls work. A lot of times the camera was – you use your shoulder buttons 
People hadn't figured mm. out the dual stick camera like shit at that time. Dude, that was it was on Nintendo 64. I feel had it freaking dialed. Like to this day, I can go back and play GoldenEye, and I can use the C buttons with the joystick and like do a whole really? like <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, I can't dude. do that, dude. I I can't. I tried. I can't. I have to like use a mod so I can play GoldenEye with like, <laughs> traditional controls, which is the best way to play because. The C button was a, a step up from like PlayStation One era, but once they got the dual stick where you can strafe and you can turn and strafe at the same time with two oh, thumbsticks, yeah. yep. it becomes game. Like that's just been the standard for because it's the best way. Uh, I'm just I'm a princess now. I'm too spoiled. I can't go back to that <laughs> caveman shit. Come on, yeah. Dude, but yeah, but Nintendo 64, that was where, like, I remember, I don't know if you remember, I haven't been able to find it, I think, since I've, since it was on TV, but there was a commercial, and I forget if it was a commercial for the N64 or if it was a commercial for Mario specifically, but it was a commercial, and it had, it was, I'm pretty sure it was Mario 64, because there was a commercial all about, like, well, these 3D worlds that you can explore, and they had, like, a, a dude that was shot on a green screen, he was composited into the shot, like, he was doing the stuff with Mario. Like, if you remember on the the desert, the Sahara level, when you go into the pyramid, there's a, a section where you, like, are client, or you're, you're, like, monkey bars, kind of, you know, over, like, a section, right? And there was, that's the one section I remember very vividly, was this guy, like, right there with Mario, like, climbing with him, right? And, and I remember when I saw that, those 3D graphics were just mind-blowing and just how like this virtual world and 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 there's a bunch of memes about it you know it's like what we remember it you know and it's like this huge like well-rendered like photorealistic thing than what it actually was (laughs) which is you know which is like really garbage but but it doesn't it didn't matter like that was like so magical and that was so like i remember like the first couple of friends that got a nintendo 64 and mario and you know and uh, hydro thunder and and there's those first couple of games that came out And just how magical that was. And then how I got one. I think it was that Christmas I, I got one. And it, oof, yeah, dude, that, I don't know if that was a perfect combination of, of being able to let yourself go and to like buy into something without seeing it's, it's like rough edges. But that was, that was a fully immersive like thing, you know, and then you have all the games for the Nintendo 64. Just every single one were amazing, right? All the Donkey Kongs and the Tony Hawks and the, the Banjo Kazooies and Goldeneye and, you know, there's so many. And then, Paper Mario, that game. I was I was hoping the new Paper Mario would be like the old Paper, this new one that just came out recently, right? Yeah, I haven't. I was it. like, dude, I love the first one so much. I want to get this new one, but they're like, no, no, it's not RPG Paper Mario. It's like action adventure kind of thing where it's not the original. I'm like, okay, good. I don't have to get it. I don't have to worry about it. But I've I've been wanting to like I, that's the one game I don't have on Nintendo 64 that I was like, I maybe show up I can get that. But just so much fun games. I haven't played Paper Mario. That's one of the few 64 ones that keep popping up. I know a lot of people like it, and I missed it. Uh, I need to go back and try that. Look, that's uh, one of like the classics, it seems, that uh, I miss. People, people love that game. People love that it's a game. Fun, the first one's fun. Yeah. And then I think each one gets progressively like, like less and less liked. Yes, basically. Um, that's what but it that seems first like. one, yeah. yeah. Damn, I need to try that one. The uh, 64 Christmas combo. I mean, there's a lot of memes for that one. I think the 64 like hit a sweet spot, like two Christmases in a row where it was a big deal. And like 20% of American kids had their mind blown by 64 like it's it's definitely a popular meme and i i have that memory too just like christmas 64 i don't know if it was the first year it came out or whatever but i had a couple games with it and it was tunnel vision like we at this everything's gone there's one thing and that's the screen and yeah I, there's so many individual memories from that like we we got it for christmas and then we had to help my dad like do 
chores or clean the backyard or like move bricks or something like that. But because we worked for that the week between Christmas and New Year, we were able New Year's Eve, my parents bought us Goldeneye. And so we had Goldeneye that we were playing all night until midnight. And it was, that was a great memory. Another not so great memory was we would use to play it before school and my brother somehow, and I've done it too, but you somehow get into the wrong part of the menu and you end up erasing a game. Oh, and so he erased all, our banjo kazooie. Yes. I've done the same thing on Ocarina of Time. I oh, just, you just, someone oh. distracts you and you like, oh, no. and you just hit like yes at the wrong moment to confirm and boom, your game is gone. <laughs> and, Dude, there's nothing really more like earth shattering than when you delete a game that you spent so much time on. But the crazy thing, as, as insane as that is, you can, and as hard as you think it is, like it's so easy. I got back like two days later, I was back to that same spot in Ocarina of Time that I was. I think it was in the middle of the water temple or something yeah. like that when it got erased. Cool. And you think it was like months of work, but it was like, maybe it was a couple of weeks at least, you know, but then like you can just blast through it. Yeah, because once you but figured yeah, it like, out, it's like fresh on your mind. Yeah. Those type of games yeah. you can blast through. Dude, the water temple is notorious for being, most people consider it the hardest, most frustrating temple in Ocarina of Time. I don't remember having yeah. that hard of a time with it though. It's been a while since I played it. The four, it was, yeah, if you go back and play it, it's, it's pretty, you can like keep track of things and like maybe when you're a kid, you can't like maintain like a, a view bigger than, you know, a certain size. But then as an adult, you can kind of keep track of things like in space and you yeah. can like, okay, there's that door and that door and that door and you kind of keep track of things better. The forest temple is also, that's the first temple and it's an interesting one because it's, it's a little bit more difficult and that doesn't get much of, much love. My favorite temple is that and my favorite song is, is the, uh, actually it's not a temple. It's when you're running around, um, not trying to get caught by the women in the Gerudo Fortress, right? Oh. That song. And actually, yeah, yeah, you, did, and yeah, you freaking made that remix of it, dude. I, I freaking, remember that. Shit, what is that called? I love that song, dude. That's my favorite song of all gaming, I think, is that song. And you made the remix. And send that to me again if you would, because I don't I know would. if that got misplaced, but it, that, it's on, oh, uh, man, that. I have a band camp where like all my super like illegal shit that I just made that you can download. <laughs> like, you can't put that on spot. I mean, it just, yeah, it's an unofficial remix. Yeah. You can't, you can't do anything with those. So I just have like a little spot on the internet where they live. I get like 10 bucks a month. So it, oh, it's cool. pretty cool. I get like a burger. Like that's 10, that's like 10 years of my life. And it is equated to $10 a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Such is life. Yeah. Send me a link to it and I'll buy one. Yeah. Uh, but that, I remember you told me, I remember you telling me you need to remix the song. It's like the best. It's the best. Did you, because of, I said I like that song, that's why you made that remix? I thought you had made that before. I said, like, dude, this is my hands down my favorite song. And it just happened to be, the, I think you made that before. Because you made it before we even knew each other, Maybe. really. Maybe. I do remember, you're probably right. I will trust your memory over mine 100%. Eight out of the seven days of the week. So we'll go with your story. <laughs> and uh, I did, But I do remember having a conversation about it and you being excited about that song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that brings me back to... Uh, you know, I, uh, I interviewed, uh, I don't think it's out, I, like last week I interviewed this guy, Trey Warner. I think you know who he is. Just acting and shit. Oh, yeah. And, uh. Yeah, Nick, Nick Simons always calls him Will Ferrell. Oh, yeah. He kind of looks like Will Ferrell, Chad Smith a little bit. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But he was like talking about Alien Country, which is Boston's movie, which reminded me of, the uh, the desert shoot. He was in that, right? Uh, yeah, he is in it. Like, that's why it came up. And it yeah. reminded me of that desert shoot where we did the Star Wars thing. 
the like the Star Wars motocross guys. Do you remember that? Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. That was a f- like I had fun. I just remember having fun. Like that was like, oh, I can see why you guys are into making videos. Like this is dope. Though it was hot as shit running around in those damn stormtrooper things. That sucked actually, but everything else was cool. That's right. We got you were you were on camera, right? You were in one of the outfits. Yeah, I forget which one I was, but I was a. Uh, one of the stormtroopers, yeah. Yeah, that's right. We shot that day, and then we shot another day at, like, the the guys had this ramp built, and we the, the idea was these stormtroopers on their day off do motocross. these gnarly motocross tra- um, tricks and jumps and everything. So I don't know if that video is still on, on YouTube or not. It might be. It might be. But, yeah, I remember me early, early days. Early, early days. Dude, it's funny. Those early days, I think about this – Every once in a while, but you, because I made that very first video I ever made were just me in the grocery store, and I put it up, and that was, I think, that was was the fall after the summer that you and I had worked together for the first time, which was 2009. Is that Boston? 2009 was Boston? Yeah, Boston was 2009. Perfect. And... And I put that video, I got a GoPro, made a dumb little video about me through a grocery store. And I, I don't even know if it's still up on YouTube, but I put it up there. And then you, you, like, what was your thought? You, you remember what you said about no. it? I do. I have vague you, memories of like, you put the camera in like a shopping cart while you were shopping and like you did some cool shots. Yeah. No, yeah. So that's, that's all the video, but I'm talking about the, around the video. Like you, you said that you were like, well, Andrew just put up a video. Like that's, you know, he's not, it's not going to go anywhere with him. It's, he, that's just a, a, a dumb little one-off project he did, you know, whatever, you know, oh, I did. I, I'm terrible. Though. That's a terrible thing to say. I'm sorry. It wasn't, you didn't say it though. You thought it. And then like later you said it because it was in the context of, Oh, actually you like, you, continued with it and you like saw it through and and i want to say at the time you were also pursuing video or maybe it was audio but with a little bit of video but it 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 wasn't like competition but it was like well he's doing something like maybe it was just the fact that i was just doing something outside of like say you know whatever our, our job was and i don't it wasn't threatening i don't want to say that but it was like it was just you know when when you're not doing anything you you want other people to not do stuff right and so i don't know if at that time you were kind of just hanging out in the a-frame house just like not doing anything <laughs> i was def- definitely doing that yeah and so i was like doing something and you were like well he's not gonna continue with that or whatever but it's interesting because i'm like i don't know it's kind of motivating i but I don't yeah, know i've had that, a but. i've had motivation like that i mean it's it's hard to remember because my mind has associated you with being a video guy for so long i can't remember not thinking that i mean i told look yeah it's that's crazy i mean i could see that i don't i don't remember that but i feel kind of bad like who sounds like it no, sounds like no, I was no, no, being, no. it sounds like I was being well I was kind of being a piece of shit at that time so. <laughs> Dude, we were all that was, yeah, that was yeah, 10 yeah, years yeah. 12 years ago that was a long time man Dude, Boston for those context we both did door to door sales with like a quick like it's just this crazy industry that people don't really understand that these door to door people can make really good money and I at the time that first summer I I think I funded 92 it was like I missed the 100 pay pay scale mark i was close to it but it was still decent money i don't remember how much it was but for whatever it was at the time i thought i was god i was like oh my god (laughs) look at my bank account and then i did nothing for two years nothing like i read comic books 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's what a lot of people do. And they just do that and unless you go to school, like there's nothing else to like do in the off season, yeah. like right? Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah, it was uh it was kind of it was a good lesson to learn, but I'm and uh it was a good lesson to learn, but yeah, I could see my myself like naysaying on some shit while I'm sitting around doing nothing but reading comic books <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> Just eating potato yeah. chips and whatever. I mean, I I have a lot of other memories of that time, like doing crazy shit. I was doing things, but I was not working. That's for sure. I was definitely not. Dude, working. what one thing you did is you bought a motorcycle. I did. I remember because you talked. Yes. Sh- you talked shit on this other guy who bought. I had no idea about motorcycles back then, and so another guy bought a motorcycle, and then you bought a motorcycle like a week and a half later. And then I remember what you said about it. You were like, "Dude, if that guy would have just waited, he could have got twice the motorcycle that he got, and and for like half the price." He's like, "I got this thing. I didn't know freaking a tire from a handlebar at that point, right?" But what did you get? And what do you remember? What bike you got and what bike he got? Well, I know I'm a, ch- a cheap son of a bitch, so like I probably. Probably, I probably like I don't know what I did. Maybe bought something like right after a new version came out, and like the price. No, dropped. do you do you know what it was though? Was it, it wasn't a rebel, I, was it? I know what I bought, which was a uh, well. There, I bought two bikes, and I can't remember which one I've. I owned a Shadow for a while, and I also bought a VTX. But I, mm. I think the VTX was after Boston. I think, which would have been a, a Honda VTX thirteen hundred, and uh, I don't remember who we were talking about, but I. I th- I did buy it off KSL and maybe there was like some way I got a good deal. Ah, I can't remember. Yeah, because the other guy I want to say had like it was like a rebel. And I want to say it was something like oh, that. Oh, I had a it rebel was like too. Like, so it must have been about that. I did have a rebel at one point. No, but I, I want to say the, this other person though had a bike that was half as big as yours and like and he paid twice as much. But to me, they both looked like the same. They were like, well, they're just motorcycles, you know. But now I would have known like what they were. Oh. But do you remember this guy what I'm talking about? No. Damn no, man! My, your memory. Can I tell you when you can edit it out? Me. Can I tell you right now when you can edit this part out? Yeah, yeah, I can edit it out. Okay, I don't, I don't know where he. He could be dead for all I know. No, no, he's I, I have a, no idea he's about him. He's a seminary him. teacher. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. But he bought a bike, and you were like, you were like, dude, that guy got a terrible bike. But it was, but and he's, I think he said at the time he was like, yeah, people are going to shit all over this, but it's the bike I've always wanted, and so I, I went out and I bought it. You know, and again, I didn't know anything about bikes. I want to say he got something lame, like a Honda Rebel or something, just like a, a terrible bike. And then you were making fun of him because you got some other bike that was much bigger and better and more powerful and everything. But do you remember all that or no? no? But obviously, because my dick is bigger, so that's obviously what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've. It was probably if the Honda VTX thirteen hundred is the biggest bike I ever got, so that's probably the bike. And it that's a big bike, dude. My freaking, I have a Sportster. That's the twelve hundred, bro. <laughs> for a kid who's five seven, it was too big. I had it for like a year. <laughs> I had it for a year, and uh, it was great. And, and it was just hard. It was sketch because when it was sketch for me, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. That's I, that's that's added horsepower. Every like ten pounds lighter you are, it's like an additional free five or ten horsepower. Yeah. And so if you're like a smaller person like your bike is just is just you know for the same dollar it's more powerful you know than like me 200 pounds 63 gets on it it's like slugging and so you got to spend way more money on something big like a dyno you know yeah. or anything bigger to get a bike that's that like can move right yeah i've oof, i almost killed do you remember kim child <laughs> do you remember her no uh she's a chick that hung around i dated her for a little bit and uh i almost killed her and that made me and me too and it made me that was a moment where i really thought do i really need to be riding bikes 
Like that. Dude, everyone has those. Yeah. You have those. The, yeah. the trick is to have those, have enough of those to where you ride safely. You know, it's what you, you want to have those near misses. That's what teaches you the lesson in anything in life, right? Yeah. It's those near, those near catastrophic events, right? Cause that'll protect you from a catastrophic event. Cause hopefully you learn from it and can, or for you, like, Oh, you got off the bike. It sounds like, you know what? Yeah. So that saved you from the catastrophic motorcycle accident. Yeah. I, mean, I think I kept it for a little bit, but I just remember that being when I started considering selling it, I, I think I was married. I kept it for like a year or two and they're just like, ah, mm-hmm. who needs it? Right. They're dangerous anyway. And that one time I almost killed somebody <laughs> and I want the money for something else. Like, yeah, I liked writing. I mean, I never, it just, I get it. I hundred percent get it, but I'd uh, it's never sucked me back in. But you still write a lot. I, I don't get writing as much as I. Again, it's hard for me. It's like the same thing as like, as like video games, right? It's like I'd rather be in my wood shop building yeah, on stuff yeah. than like, oh, I'm gonna go off for a ride. So for me, I use it as like a mode of trans- transportation, which a lot of times I have to have my truck because I'm like doing truck stuff, right? So you can't, you know, do truck stuff with a bike. And so there's never really anything, especially now, like with COVID, there's never any like me showing up to a place, just me. It's always like if I'm going someplace, it's for a reason to pick something up or drop something off. Now, having said that, we are going to go, we have tobacco has its, has its, has its its first ride this Saturday. Um, I don't know when this episode is going to air, but it is January 30th. And so we're going to do a ride. It's going to be cold, but it's going to be our our first ride. Uh, And after that, we're kind of have them more frequently where we, everyone will get together at our, our new little warehouse and go for a ride for a couple hours. I uh, So that'll force me to get me out and riding. I have a homie that's doing Baja right now and he's posting pictures and there's snow and he's bitching about there being snow in Baja. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is Baja right now or is he King of Hammers? I don't think it's like anything official. I think him and his homies are like riding the Baja oh, okay, trail Oh, got it, fun. got it, got you it, got it. Mean? Because there's this race called King of the Hammers right now in like Joshua Tree area, and same thing. Maybe it's like they're getting snow out there. Maybe that's what it is. So it's like him and ho- his homies are doing. I didn't. It could be a competition, or it could be this guy does shit like that all the time. Canyoneering, bike rides, yeah. like, that's his thing. But he's just posting about. He, they're all thinking, yeah, they don't have winter gear. They weren't expecting. Oh no! Yeah, it's just he's bitching like every day, going slower than <laughs> they wanted to go. It's like the whole. Yeah, it's like one of those. I have friends that have terrible hunt. Hunting stories too. I've never been hunting, but I've heard some stories that's like when hunting goes wrong, it's apparently like one of the shittiest experiences ever. When it- dude, yeah, my dad's a hunter and he he does that. He goes like just trekking through the forest, yeah. you know, for several days, and then oh, I got to shoot this thing, and now I got to trek this, you know, two hundred pound dead piece of meat out you know it's just like geez it's hard people get like a massive reward for it and i i, I like it it's romantic in some ways but there's no, i don't think there's i would ever try it out of all the jack there's there's lots of things that, to be interested in but why uh how come you how did you get started in woodworking because you weren't doing that's not part of your thing at tobacco right so when did the woodworking no, thing yeah, start not at all it was I, I think it was it started with this little light that i wanted to build for my my ceiling and so it 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 came out of wanting to build stuff, right? And so I just would see something and I would want, I would figure out how to build it. And I like borrowed a friend's welder and I would like, I welded this lamp. I don't know if you've, ever, you've seen it. I've had it for a the while. Steampunk um, lamp. Yeah, the steampunk lamp with like the stained glass, like lanterns on it and super cool, right? So I'm like, oh, I, so I borrowed a friend's welder and learned how to build. And so, and so then it kind of just led into like woodworking being kind of like the, like currently that's kind of where like all my attention is. Right. And so like I'm learning like hand cut dovetails and just kind of just different, like 
joinery and different like wood things that you can do and 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 just working with different hardwoods and that's the kind of place that i'm like finding like there's a, enough to learn enough to keep my attention to where it's super fun and a big thing i've been doing recently is working with old skateboards mm. so i'll take skate decks you rip off the grip tape sand them down and then you cut them down and you can do different stuff with them and so you can cut strips and then lay them flat next to each other to get like to cover you know and i've made i don't know if you saw the i posted a couple of things i made nick simon's a little valet tray for his birthday where you just kind of make strips and then stack them on top of each other and glue them up and you can do cool stuff but skateboards are made of of seven layers of maple and a good skateboard will have at least two if not three of those layers will be dyed and so every skateboard is is different and so usually the top and the bottom ones are dyed and then the middle one will be a dyed layer and so you get boards that have just crazy colors all throughout and you can you can mix them up or if you cut strips from the same board and line those up you get a repeating pattern so it's really cool stuff that you can do with with old skateboards and you could probably do you just like find them for super cheap or just find them and collect them and then you if you have if you make friends at a skate shop you get them for free because kids will come in and, and get new boards and most of the time they're not even broken um they'll be like worn out you know on the tail and the nose and they'll get their new board their new deck and they just leave that old one there and then he just you know you get friends with them and then they'll save them for you and then you show up every two weeks and they just have a box of 15 skateboards for you nice yeah that's badass yeah, how, pretty. how tedious is the de-gripping getting him down to where you can work with them process you know, it depends every once in a while you get one that's gnarly but usually you get a heat gun and if it's a warm day outside you put them all all of them out on the driveway and the sun heats them up and then you can kind of just you just get a, a big wooden dowel and then you you uh take a razor and you cut the the back one side off of the of the deck and then you can just start rolling and then you just roll it all the way down and and it's pretty quick, hmm. but every once in a while, there's like some, some grip tape uses this glue that, and like the, and the, I don't know if it's the, the grip tape gotten like damaged or whatever, but you're pulling off like little, like, like, like a sticker where like little pieces come off and it takes like an hour to take one off. But usually if it's good, it takes a couple minutes for it to get off. I mean, the hard part after that is then sanding. Cause you got to sand the down to the wood because unless you, unless you sand down to like the wood and get all like the glossy, cause most decks have like a, a, print on it right and so you gotta get down to the wood to be able to do anything with it to be able to like glue it or whatever otherwise it won't hold and it will just break apart like i made my brother a for his birthday i made i don't know if you saw the thing with steve-o and tony hawk they did a picture they did a, a, a skateboard trick and they made a bunch of prints and then they each signed a bunch of them and so they were and steve-o was selling them for 40 bucks for charity so i bought one of those and then made this wooden skateboard frame for that picture you know because it was on a skateboard trick right so it was cool and so and so you can tell where you didn't sand good enough because it'll come apart easily. Uh, and then I made these these drawer fronts uh, for a kitchen island out of, the, out of skateboards. Uh, that was the first kind of major thing. And then you got to sand well because then it you know, adheres together. And skateboards, there's there's a bunch of different concave action going on. Like the in the middle of the deck, it's curved up. And then like where the tail and the nose uh. are that curve turns a different way. And so you're kind of fighting against that. And so you got to really got to like work with it and not fight it and try and like compress the concave out of it. So there's ways to work with it that, that sets yourself up for, for success. Nice. But, yeah. Ted, is there a place where you can, like people can see all, do you, you got to sell this shit, man. 
I think you could sell it. That's what everyone keeps saying. I just, I just, I, I I'm terrible at like the after. I just like doing it, you know, cause I'll do it and then I'll literally just like, I could do it and then just burn it. Like I don't, I don't like, <laughs> yeah. it's weird, but I just, I enjoy the doing it. Yeah. I don't enjoy that. Like the end result of having it. I don't, I don't care about the end result. Like, and that's not saying that like, well, we'll just freaking give it to me. I'll take it. Like, no, screw you. You can pay me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like this. I've, did I, I got seen a picture of my motorcycle engine. I haven't posted that either, but I, I had on a, a Harley Davidson Sportster has this really cool kind of V twin engine where the cylinders are coming out at like a V shape. Right. And I had a problem with the engine where I had to replace it. It was cheaper to get a, a new used engine than to, than to fix the part on it. So I got an, I used one off eBay for a couple, like 1500, maybe 2000. I swapped the engine out. Works great. So I had this old engine just sitting around and I was like, what am I going to freaking do with this thing? And try to sell it for parts. No one bought it. And so then I, I saw this thing at a, at a expo one, a while ago where they took this car and there's a company out of New Jersey called Cutaway Creations. Look up the stuff they do. It's mind blowing. It's all just like where they like, imagine like a lightsaber cutting through, you know, and you just like reveal the inside of, of something. And so I did that with this engine where I did all these window cutouts on it and then I put LED strips all throughout it. And so it kind of glows so you can see the piston. You can see all of the, the clutch and the, and the, the cams and all these different things and all the rock boxes up top and like i made it so the the pipes that normally come out and come down actually come up and hold a, a sheet of glass and so it's a little like coffee table right and so i haven't even posted that but i finished that but i, I need to i mean i should make a whole like that's kind of my dream job is to make like these one-off really unique projects i don't really want to bang out like oh make you know these you know twice a day and then everyone will buy those. Like I want to make this one thing that I can sell for 15,000, you know, a yes. couple times a year yeah. versus like, Oh, I can make a table that I can sell for a thousand, you know? Yeah. 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 You should sell that shit. Like you, I think you could, I don't know. Maybe you just got to take your delegating and work management skills. You're learning at tobacco and find someone to just, fl- to just yeah, handle have someone shit. like, yeah, I'll, I'll give you 10%. Just like run the, run my, my gallery. Yeah. Like, and you take 10%, you know, just like make post social media, run it up. I don't know. Just, I don't know. Handle it. I don't know who that person would be. It's not a skill I have, but I, I'm sure there are people out there that could do that. I mean, it has to be. Yeah. We're actually, we actually are looking for a social media person for tobacco because our current person is stepping away to do other things. So we're looking for a, a full-time social media person. So if you're in the LA area or want to move to the LA area for a full-time social media geek, let me know. Yeah. That's a hard one, man. How do you, how do you guys quantify like success on social media? Like how do you, that, I've always looked easy, at actually. it and been like, I don't know how to do that. Like to know for sure if it works. So eh. I'll work on other shit. There's, there's metrics, you know, and there's, there's ways and there's not like an exact like, oh, this many dollars of revenue were attributed to social media posts, but you can tell, like you can see, you can see trajectory, you can see growth, you can see like this post got this many number of likes, got this many number of shares, got this many number of saves. Um, and right now the algorithm likes this and this, it doesn't like this, you know, for example, right now the algorithm doesn't care about likes, it cares about like saves and it cares about shares i think is what the the latest algorithm likes and so you just look and see what kind of content and like oh how often let's try posting five times a week how many how much engagement do we get then Mm. let's try and post three times a week you know how many clicks to the website do we get um like oh this with this this week we got 200 clicks to the website oh this week we got 100 this week we got 300 and so there's really ways to kind of like yeah to back into it 
you know, again, it's not going to tell you the exact, but then even on a Shopify, it'll tell you, you know, sources of revenue. So it'll, it'll track people from Instagram, from Facebook, from that kind of stuff. And so, and so then, and then it's also growth, right? It's like, oh, we gained X number of followers this week. We gained, you know, X divided by two number of followers, or we gained two X followers this week. And so there's like, oh, we're slowing down or we were picking up and looking at kind of other people in the space to see how they're growing and seeing kind of what they're doing. And, and so. So there's plenty of, of data out there to analyze and to track, you know, like stories, especially like you post a story and you'll see, you know, I got this many engagement, I got this many reactions and, and, oh, you know, we put up a poll and this many people got engaged with it. And so it was people, everyone liked that or, oh, we put this up and nobody liked that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it kind of sucks. I wish, I wish social media was a place where like, if you just made dope content, it would like, and if you make, if you make something that's like truly undeniable, I think like no matter what it will be, it'll like grow. But there's like lots of good content that's not like out of this world that I enjoy that, I, mean, I don't know, it's weird. It's like you have to, uh, you basically, you have to just sit and QA, I guess, and test all these different things that are always changing. I could see that being a fun job, like just dialing down, trying to figure out, huh. Yeah, it's figuring out kind of like your audience and like what they yeah. like. And because it's a weird thing, you have to like keep your audience happy that you have, but then you have to grow that audience bigger. And so you have to attract new people. And so how do you, how do you keep both those people happy? You know, what do you, what do you feel like has been the, like the best thing that tobacco has done that, that you're super happy that you started doing? It's our video content. Like our video content has been our, our, our thing that we've gone back to every single time from day one. Yeah. Like it's the, it's the strength that, that Dave and I have, like him and I, you know, we're doing video content even before this company. And so we can, he can write and direct and I can shoot and edit and, you know, we can get it out there. And so we can do content for $2,000 that any other company would, would have to pay, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. For. That's a huge so that's, advantage. That's, that's, yes. That's huge. That's our competitive advantage. And so that's what we're really want to lean into this year is doing more kind of video, like, a, you know, some vlog stuff, you know, some daily vlog stuff and then some other, other stuff and just more video content. Right. And just, and just the thing is just the more, it's just everywhere. Just you, you just need to have more stories, more content, more, more YouTube and just more ways, more tentacles out there for people to, to accidentally bump into and to get to like, Oh, that's how they, you know, we got them into the brand. And so yeah. the more tentacles you have out there, just the more chances that people are just going to stumble into your stuff. You know, if, uh, if you, if tobacco got like, uh, I don't even know how this would happen in real life, but if you could make like a motorcycle video game, like a Tony Hawk, Tony Hawk, but motorcycles, like, like excite bike excite bike yeah they haven't done an excite bike but there was one on 64 that was pretty good but i can't think of any like modern takes of a bike biking game or like there was road rash back dude there in the was day. road rash yeah for the sega genesis that game was dope yeah but now i'm thinking about it i think i think the bike genre might be primed for like a retro video game the market might be hot i was just thinking about it that would be cool no one's yeah. done it they're they're like MotoGP games that I never played. Yeah, were they any fun? No, like that's like I guess racing sim, but like just yeah. But you want like like lifestyle kind of motorcycle stuff, right? Like with jumps or yeah. There's that game Days Gone on PS4 where it's an open world zombie yeah. game. My brother loves that game. He says he he always tells me to play it. He always buys <laughs> a lot of my games that I play. It's him sending it to me after he beats them. But then he's recently started because he's lazy. He'll start buying them digitally because he doesn't want, doesn't want to go to the store and buy them. And he's like, oh, I forget. I I keep buying things digitally, so I can't send them to you. Yeah. But he sent me like God of War mm. and and uh, Last of Us and all the classics, right? But 
So if a game is good enough, I'll play it a couple years later. Like I'm fully planning on playing Cyberpunk in like a year or two, which is apparently going to be perfect. That be That's perfect. when they're going to fix all the problems, yes. and it's going to be great. That's how Witcher. Honestly, you played Witcher three after it had already been updated and ported a billion times. And then they had to refine it down to like the core of what makes it awesome to get it to run on the Switch. Maybe the maybe the Switch version is the best version because it's like it's <laughs> yeah. the most refined. Like what we got to strip it down to what makes it. Yeah, I don't know. But the Witcher three when it first came out, pretty damn messy. I I uninstalled. That's what it. I heard. Yeah. That's what I people were. Uh, there's a, there's a, uh, a CDPR meme about that. They were like everyone bitching about cyberpunk but this is the witcher 3 on the first day and has like a horse that's like flying in the yes. air or something like that dude the witcher 3 at launch was so bad i uninstalled it i was angry as shit i was like fucking oh, no. like and but like you buy it and they didn't i don't think steam had a, a, as gracious of a refund policy as they do now now if it's like you haven't played it more than 12 hours you can just doesn't matter you can just request it in the back end of the account and it was automatically refund you um, yeah. but I kept it and I came back years later, maybe a year later, not years. And they had implemented this patch cause like the controls were so bad and so janky. And there was like a, I read a headline that said like Witcher three implements like this patch. And I'm like, that's the thing that pissed me off. Like, Oh shit. I'm going to download it again. <laughs> and I downloaded it and I loved it. It was like, my favorite game ever. Nice. So you just got to wait. Like by the time you play cyberpunk, it will probably be, I mean, no man's sky. I don't know if you followed that. Fiasco. No, that's what that's what everyone's saying, right? Yeah. That this is going to be the new No Man's yes. Sky. Where, yeah, yeah, and No Man's Sky now is pretty badass. Like, I, it's on Games Pass; it's free, so I've been I've goofed around on it, and it seems pretty cool. Have you played Cyber Cyberpunk more than a couple hours, or bro, bro? I'm offended you even had to ask. I'm legit offended. Well, of course, did you? Have you day one? Have you, have you beat it? Have you played the whole thing? Blasted through it like three days straight. Done. I've been waiting. Was I've it, been waiting for that game. I thought it was on. Unpl- I know you have. I thought it was unplayable, though. I thought it was like no, only on. But you did it on PS4. Yes, unplayable. Oh, you're on PC I'm though. On so PC, that's like the best one out there. Okay. I don't play around with PC. She's she's juicy. She's got some wattage. Uh, and I, I had dude. So does mine. Mine. I have a killer system. What do you have? But I I can't. I I built it a couple of years ago. It's uh a uh, AMD to 1950 Threadripper X or 1950X, right? And then it's, uh, I want to say a, a 1080 Ti, um, but it was freaking top, top, top of the line like two years ago, yeah, right? Yeah, that would be probably the 1080. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the 1080. Yeah, it's a, it's a dope computer, but I just, I, I've not been able to get into, to, maybe it's because I sit at this thing and, and write emails all day long, but I, the, maybe the last thing I want to do is sit in front of it and click around some more but about gears of war five um because i was like i'm a fan of the first two gears of war so i'll try this new one and so i got a little bit into it and then it just i got this dope like three monitor setup so it's like prime it's like a a most (laughs) gamers wet dream right yeah and so i just i just haven't been able to get into gaming on it that's i mean it is what it is to be honest like i play a lot of games to make some content but they're really short sessions like I'll, and I, I'm, but do you? But so what? I'm, what I'm getting at though is is sitting at a desk versus sitting on the couch lounging. Sitting on a couch is so much more comfortable yes. and relaxing yes. than sitting at a desk, right? Yeah, I have I have two like modes of gaming. I have gaming where I'm making content, and then I have when I'm sucked into something and I'm gaming, and that's like once a year, twice a year, a game will get. And I knew I knew Cyberpunk was Cyberpunk was destined. To, it had to be that game. Because I've been waiting so long, I'm like, I, but it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I had one glitch, like one crash, 
in like two glitches. I saw one floating car and like a week, like one time a gun. Some oh, that's not bad no, at all. Was everyone tripping out about? Amazing. Like, dude, I, I I did like thirty hours. Like, I didn't do the side because those open world games. I had the same issue with time. I don't do the side shit anymore. I just play the story. And uh, maybe did that's that's a big hangout for me because that's like you just feel like you're missing something and that yeah. like it just eats at me. You gotta, you you're gotta like, figure out. I'm missing something. Yeah. So I did that. Ghost of Tsushima, Witcher Three. I've been a completion like platinum trophy OCD. I've done that, and I've realized it's yes. It's, there's a there's this itch you've got to scratch there, but it's just not worth it. It's like it's like yeah. It's like like cheap sex or something you you feel empty like you all this work and there's really no reward but there is a system open world games tend to have the main story and then they have side quests but they're usually like the side quests that are tailored around like an important character and they'll you can like sort of tell what side content is going to be meaty and juicy and what is like filler go fetch this and get this coin and blah you know what i mean so yeah. I think you can play them. The Witcher 3, those side quests were killer, killer. though, because each one killer. was like a new, like complete story with like real, and it, it asked you to make decisions and it had real ramifications. Yes. A lot of times that you didn't think of, you know, oh. and it was just these little capsules that live by themselves. And so that's the best I've ever seen side missions be, you know, or those because they're just complete like narratives. Yep. Did you play the Blood and Wine DLC by chance? I haven't got to that point yet. No, uh, there's a like. Not only are the side quests good, but the the uh, they have two, three DLCs. The last one, I think, just two, just two. The heart, heart of and something, stone. and then blood. Yeah, I swear there's another one. Maybe, maybe you're right. I, maybe there's on the Switch. There's only the two. Uh, but anyway, blood and wine. That is like almost the sequel. I remember it taking me twenty something hours, and it having. Oh jeez. I'm thinking the story was better than the main game, but there's the. Have you done the Bloody Baron quest on Witcher Three yet? Dude, I was just going to bring that up. That thing was – that was amazing. I forget if the, that was a side – That might be the best quest in the game. So you kind of peaked already, was, but that's so good. Was that a side quest or was that the main the main, I, the main main game? I think it's the main game. I'm pretty sure it's the main game. It was pretty extensive. It was a side because there was multiple quests to it. But like, yeah, yeah dude, just how him and then the, – I got lost halfway through it because there's just so many people. And then there's a baby, a demon baby you have to bury because <laughs> it's like a possessed. And, <laughs> dude – yeah. Yeah, that quest is uh, referenced a lot. Is Because by the time you get to the end, the, the, I don't remember the exact details of the choices, but it was like I, f- I remember feeling a true conundrum. Like, shit. Like, what am I going to do? Ah, like, there's no, like, great resolution and, the, the like, something to do, like, how sad it was, like, the, the baby of the dude and the wife, and he was – I can't remember. I just yeah. remember being sad. Did you ever play uh, Mass Effect games by chance? I never did. I, I, I flirted with them, but I never have. Ah. But I heard the last one was terrible, and so you have to play the first like couple, right? Those are the good ones. I played one and two. I didn't play three. I did like Andromeda, which got got a lot of shit, but for different for different reasons. The combat was good, but Mass Effect Two had this specific choice where, like, the gist of it is there's this alien race that is super aggressive, and they've committed a lot of like w- crimes of war intergalactic wise. And so at some point in the history before, like, in the game, this alien race had genetic, had, like, a genetic attack done on them, and they can't, they have a hard time reproducing. It's, like, one in a million, and so their numbers are dwindling, and, like, they're dying off. Anyway, one of these people is in your crew, and he's one of your greatest warriors, and you get to a point in the game where you have the option to reverse this genetic defect through, like, this... And it's, like, do you reverse it? Because, like, he's your homie, he's a good guy, but these, these people are, like intergalactic nazis they've been just wrecking people they're like this warring species 
and they they live a long time. They live they're like reptile, and they have like these crazy lifespans. I think like thousands of years, and they just like Whew. they just like take over every system that they've been a part of. But you have like a group of them that you've been working with, and they've like sa- they've risked their life to save you. Anyway, I remember just being s- just so torn over that decision. And Witcher Three, the Bloody Baron. I wish I could remember the freaking details, but I remember it being close and making me really like struggle what to choose. But I can't remember. Do you remember what it was about? I, I forget. I have to look it up. But th- the first time I ever had that was in was in Fallout. I think three mm. and. We're like, hey, do you choose to save this guy or do you choose to bomb this entire town and not be able to go like do side quests there? And it was the first RPG. I had played first-person shooters up until then exclusively. I was, I was all first-person shooters and platformers. And so like that was my first experience with an RPG. And I was like, this is too heavy. This is too much yeah. for me. I can't handle this. <laughs> There was like a yeah. there's a quest on Witcher Three. I might be farther than you are. Have you like met like this demon trapped in the bottom of a tree and you have to exercise it, like get it out? Which, I'm trying to. Think. I don't want to. I forget. I don't want to ruin it. There's a really dark quest. I, I want to talk about it because you're going to get to it eventually, and it's awesome. And you can talk to me. I'm at, I'm at the point where I I went to the island that like it asks you as hey you can't you can't go back from this point. It's an island and it's all covered in mist and you go oh. and you like you finally yeah, you meet Siri. Yeah. But yeah. Oh wait. I, I forget if I was, yeah. That might be like a, a middle spot of the story where you can't go back but there's still uh I'm not sure. It doesn't lock all the side quests, but there's like there's a handful of side quests you can't go back and like when you go into it it says like oh you failed you failed you failed and there's a handful of them but uh. Anyway, yeah, yeah, damn. I don't know. There's this one where you like exercise a demon. You you can like leave it trapped in this tree or free it and put it into a horse. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a demon, but I don't know, trapped forever. So I like <laughs> I put it into the horse, and then the horse went to like a village and killed everybody. And that village, <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> That game is really good at that. Yeah. It's good at like, it's like you think this is good and bad, but then it just flips them. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> God damn it. And like, there's like a certain items and shit you can't buy because the dude's dead that sells it. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, okay. It's, a, and you finally, you learn very quickly. Like, it's just random. Just pick one, just and, pick one and, and live with the live consequences. With the con- yeah, live with, there's really no way to know. Have you got, ever yeah. tried any of the Dark Souls games? No, I've only heard that they're insanely difficult, and I've never. There's like the memes, like about how hard they are. I've never tried them. No. Yeah, there's a there's two aspects to Dark Souls that I think I'll try to pitch you on if you if you ever bored want to see if something might might grab you. If you're into like the work like lore building and world stuff, it's really good at that. Action wise, it's a uh, it's addictive because when you die, you know exactly what you did wrong every time. You know the game is like really well tuned. And uh, you just know, and it's, it's a kind of a puzzle. Like each enemy is a puzzle, and you have to memorize patterns and then strategize. It's, it's, but it's like I don't know how to explain it. It might get you that way, and uh, it's been around forever, super polished. And the multiplayer, I had this one story, so that you can like see, you can summon people that are also online, and there's no, there's no. Uh, have you played Journey on PS4 by chance? No. What uh, is that? It has a similar multiplayer aspect where there's multiplayer, but you don't know who the person is. You don't see their screen name. You don't know anything about it. They're just kind of there, and you can really rudimentary communication built into the game. Wasn't that kind of like – that sounds like uh, Death Stranding, right? That kind of multiplayer yes. or no? I would say – I mean some of the mechanics are different, but conceptually there's a lot of similarities. Yeah. Or from what I've heard, I haven't yeah. played it, but I, I was excited to play it. But then I came out and got a bunch of weird reviews, and so I didn't play the it. The people who like it, 
swear by it. Swear by it. Do you like it or I no? I just, it hasn't. No, it, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, okay. It's a walking simulator. Yeah, like, okay, like you really just walk. Okay, <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, I get the social media. You like build. You can all pull together and build pathways, and it's connected. And there's some things about it, and the people who like it really like it, and they swear by it, and they're, they're yeah. really passionate about it. So, I was like, uh, okay. I, but anyway, sorry, I, I digress. Go ahead. I don't even sorry. remember what were you we talking about. I can't remember. Dark Souls or oh, Dark Souls. Something you were going to like about Dark Souls. You know when you're going to die. You mess up. It's difficult. And then the multiplayer. Oh, the multiplayer. Like yeah. There's, so that you have, you uh, interact with people and a lot of times you summon them to help you. So you can summon someone who you can barely communicate with, but if they've already played that area of the game, you can follow them. They'll help you kill enemies, help you with bosses. You can also be invaded by people. And you, and the invaders are bad. They get points and credits for invading other worlds and killing people. You get credits if they invade and you, and you get away from them and you get rewards. Anyway, so someone was helping me going through an area. And like the environment is incredibly tedious. Lots of trial and error. You keep dying. There's there's traps. And this guy led me through, like showed me all the secrets, the secret items hidden. Like you hit a wall, an item appears. Secret wall, secret trap doors. He led me through this whole area and like got me everything. It was like easy mode. And I was feeling this bond with him. And then there was this cliff and he put like, does a gesture to point. (laughs) And there's, there's a, there are like secret cliffs in the game too, where you can drop down. There'll be like, like a ledge that you can, it's hard to see from the camera and there'll be a treasure chest. Right. And you, and you lose everything when you die in Dark Souls. You lose everything unless you can, and there's like a little, like a thing gets left. And if you can, will you respawn? If you can get back to where you died, you can get it back. But if you can't get back there, you lose it all. And so I had gone through this whole level, but he was helping me. And he points to the cliff. I'm like, sweet. There's got to be a treasure chest down there. And I just fall and die. <laughs> and then he does his like anim- – as the, the camera zooms out, he does like like a squat animation or something. Just pu- totally gets me. And that, that aspect of the game, like the community can be really fun too because people play games with each other and there's no shit talking. You know what I mean? Like this – you're kind of limited. But so people do creative things on how to do fun <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So you might. That's funny. Yeah, you could try. It's a cult classic for a reason. It might get you, but I mean, you got such a nice PC. You got to play like one game a year. Do something. I know. I know. Wait for Cyberpunk. Wait for that. Have you tried God of War? Oh, I've played God of War. Yeah, on PS4. Great game. Great game. But all the way through, beat it. Yeah. That game was awesome. Might be. Uh, I think sometimes it might be the best game overall. To, to date it reminds me of the original original god of war on ps2 i mean as far as like the fun yeah because like I, and I, I had forgotten i was like what was it about that original game that i liked and then in this game there's two little daggers with chains i was like oh yeah <laughs> these fucking things yep. and then you start whipping those around and you're like okay here we go we're back yeah yeah they translated yeah, dude they translated those weapons to sort of like the different combat style really well like they felt even though the combat is sort of fundamentally pretty different than the original. I, I completely forget the original. What was the original like? Was it like a hack and slash or what was it? It was more hack and slash and the camera angle was like isometric usually and they were fixed. And this is like God of War is like a third person over the shoulder cam. 
Yeah. And like you strafe and turning. And so it just, a lot of things are different. And I remember getting the chains and, and wondering like, how are these going to work? Cause they, they played a lot different when they're like an AOE type of weapon when these different camera mm-hmm. angles. And then immediately I started swinging them and that same thing, like, Oh, we're back. I don't know what they did, but this feels like I'm coming home. Yeah. They like, they just, it worked. They felt intuitive out of the box. They reminded me of the old game and that whole. Scene, yeah. You start just yes. whipping them around and everyone just dies around you. And like, cause you're in that snow place and the, the, the details are so dope as like you swing the fire it chars the snow all around you as you're setting guys yeah. on fire and it's it's freaking cool that's a great moment super good moment yeah when's the the sequels coming out right obviously there's gonna be another one but like is it gonna be the same around the lake or is it gonna be there's a hidden scene you can get like after the credits if you haven't seen it on youtube or don't ran into it if you play like a certain amount of time after the credits and go to a certain spot i think if you go back to your house at the beginning there's a cut scene where thor shows up at the front door and then it cut Uh-oh. and it cuts so yeah it seems like the next one you're going to go against cuz you never actually fight spoiler alert the game's been out forever you never fight any of like the big viking gods you fight like second tier gods the whole game. You never, I guess the one dude, the, 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 the stranger they fight at the beginning is ultimately the end boss, but he's Thor's son or something like that. I can't remember. That, it, 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 I will say that it was very anticlimactic because it was just fighting him again. Yeah. And it was a fun fight for sure, but it didn't feel like a, a grand final boss. It was just like, I was like, Oh, that, that's it. That, I just. Oh, I think they're okay. setting us up though for like a bigger home run at the end of a trilogy. I think that's hmm. I think that's what's going on. Because then who was the who was the the dead god that had the spike in his head? That was oh yeah, I can't remember that. That was Thor, I thought, but no, that was like a giant, I, like like a, one of the ancient. I can't remember, but I know Thor is still alive because of that cutscene and like the hype. Because nah, okay. you fight Thor's sons, like the two guys, the one dude with the shield. You fight them a couple times. Yeah, his, or his, at the top, right? When the guy's like in the tree and you take his head? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's right. I think they're building up to that. Like, But there's no like Odin and all the other... What's the main... Like, like who's the Zeus of... Zeus, right? Zeus is yeah. Greek. Who's the Zeus of Viking gods? I can't remember. Zeus is the Greek I, shit. I forget. It's the it's this guy's dad, right? Odin. Is it Odin? The main character's dad. I think Odin the Allfather. I think Odin is like the big Bahama Mama in Viking. Who is yeah. the yeah, greatest so. Viking god? Odin, yeah, supreme deity of Norse mythology. Shit, what did you play on PS2? I didn't know he had a PS2. Well, you talked about it earlier. Oh, dude, PS2 was my jam, dude. I love PS2. Red Faction, Red, uh, ah, the original the first, Red Faction. Dude, you're the first one to bring up Red Faction out of all the episodes. That shit is awesome, dude. I loved that game. I freaking blasted holes and tunnels in the wall for hours, man. And the that game had bots. I didn't have like a bunch of like multiplayer like parties all the time, but they had bots enough to where they were. It was it was fun. Yeah. The multiplayer, but that game was yeah, that game was really really fun. Um, it was one of the first games on the on the PS2 that I got. Um, and the second one and the third one and the fourth one are gonna blech, but that first one was dope. Yeah, it was the the big selling point was that destructible environment stuff. Yeah, which was pretty cool, yeah, especially at the time. It was really cool. Yeah, it just kept going and going. It was great, and then. SSX Tricky, Ooh. super fun snowboard game. What else? My my PS2 library, I got it right here. Let me just, I won't go over there, but I got a whole library. But all the all the classics on, on PS2, which I'm trying to remember right now, but I forget. What's your, uh, what video game story, like, because you're into film and narrative, what has been like the best narrative experience to you that you've experienced in games? Dude, Metal Gear Solid, absolutely. Which one? Metal Gear Solid, 
Dude, it's funny. When I first got a PS2, I didn't have a memory card, and a friend <laughs> let me a friend, <laughs> which is a terrible way to play Metal Gear Solid. But a friend let me borrow. What was the first one on PS2 called? Sons of Sons of Liberty, I think. Sons of what? Sons of Liberty or something? It's the one. Son, no, I think Sons of Liberty is number four. Met. This was the Metal. Well, the first one was on PS. Well, the the first Solid was on PS1. Which was uh Metal Gear Solid? Yeah, Metal Gear Solid was the the no yeah the, the, I, I played that one later, which was pretty fun. But no, this was Metal Gear. This was Met, the first PS2 one where you start on the boat, yeah, you know. And I so swear that's I played Sons that. Liberty. Let me look it up. Maybe it was. Yes, it maybe is. It was. Sons of Liberty. Um, <laughs> okay, you're right. Yeah, so I played that boat level so many friggin' oh, times yeah. until I finally got a memory card. Um, <laughs> but that game, dude, that game, that game is nothing but narrative, right? You have like these hour long cutscenes. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, so much fun. So much yeah, fun. And, and dude, the, yeah, there's so much story. And so that's why I was so excited about that Death Stranding game, right? And so you're like, oh, it's this whole new thing. It's the, cause, you know, I've, I've, I've given every single Metal Gear Solid a chance and I've played most of them all the way through, right? But then they just kind of like, like Snake Eater was fine. And then what was the one after Snake Eater was like Sons of the, of the Patriots or something yeah, like that. Yeah, PlayStation 3 one. Some, uh, I beat it, but it was, it was like, yeah, it was decent. I don't exactly, yeah. yeah. And then there was the PS4 one, you know, that like that Hideo Kojima got got uh, booted like halfway through, yeah. right? And so the second half of the game is just like going back and playing missions from the first half of the game. And that so was I got to so that. weird when that happened. I remember being like, I had I got it at launch, and I could go hearing stuff. But when that happened, I was because they do weird meta shit in Metal Gear, right? Oh yeah, so it's I, great. I was like, like it, it's like, like unplugging controllers yeah. and swapping that kind of stuff. So yeah. I was like, is this like, cause in Metal Gear 2, they have these weird meta mo- moments where like the kernel glitches out and it's like he's, I don't know. And so I yep. thought for a second, when you go back and start replaying levels, for a while I thought it was like something like they were fucking with me. And then it like <laughs> slowly dawned on me, like I was just playing the game, but what the, like, what is going on? And, uh, and then it, yeah, it was a, that was a bummer. The gameplay of that game though was tight as shit. The gameplay was Dude, awesome. It was, it was great. Yeah. yeah. It was, and they, they kind of reinvented every every game, right? Like this one was, it's kind of open world, but kind of not. Like each mission is like unique and you have like your loadout, you know, and, and so they're super fun. But then, you know, you just, there was no really good ending, you know, and then the whole like building your base, you know, and like, and like that was kind of a whole like, like a whole different element to the game, right? And so, of like, you like you, you have to it, airlift yeah. out people, you know. And so you're collecting people. Like, I mean, once you figure out how to do it, then you're looking for A-rated people to to join your base, you know, so you can like build your stuff out. Like, that was pretty fun. That was pretty cool. And the uh, the uh, the obligatory like sort of sexist shit. You remember the like the chick is in like the a freaking hot chick, the sniper chick. She's in like a cage and there's like, if you look at her at the right time or talk to her in the right order, <laughs> I didn't, I never got it when I played through, but I heard about it later and watched it on YouTube. If you like do some like shit, right. I forget what the exact recipe is. There's like a shower scene where it's like, she's not, you know, there's no like nudity, nudity, but everything but that. I don't know. There was a. Uh, <laughs> I th- you yeah, think dude, you could get away? It's the you super think- weird, like Japanese stuff. Yeah, right? no, it's like if an American company did that, everyone would go ape shit. <laughs> but for some reason, when Japanese yeah. companies do it, we're like, hey, like that's just, as a- like, oh, it's cute. Yeah, it's funny. It's weird. I get. It. I mean, I don't think it's that big of a too big of a deal either way. But it is weird how like if anyone else did it. I mean, I guess Europeans like it could, it's like the French could do that, and no one would bat an eye. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Metal Gear. Dude, the first one. So you remember the first one on PS1, right? Where like, no, you're talking about the boat one. Yeah. Sons of Liberty. Did you ever get a memory card and beat the game? 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Multiple times, yeah. And I, I came, yeah, dude. <laughs> and then where you're running around, yeah, dude. And and then the whole like Pliskin thing, oh, and yeah. where you're like, wait, is that snake? Is that not snake? And then like big reveal, it's snake. <laughs> and then how you're right in the whole game, and Ryan's a little whiny bitch. I know, but, like, ah, oh, that game. <laughs> Like that's I love that game, but I I was a little pissed about that by the time I finished it. I yeah, was a little pissed. But it's just yeah, and then like the big shell and how like you like become really intimately familiar with like where everything is and then like at the end like you just slowly unlock those buildings that you like have had have had to pass by for the whole game because it was locked yeah, or whatever and then you yeah. finally get into it and you're like very satisfying. That game was good. I didn't like the the bomb, the fat dude that rode rollerblades like drop bombs <laughs> i felt like yeah the game is wacky but that just seemed wacky in a way where it, i was just like wait i miss like badass spy super soldier genetic nano machines and this fat dude on roller skates like what the fuck is going on but it was kind of campy people some people loved that part but it bothered me as a kid the vamp dude was yeah he funny. was cool the, dude he's yeah. so dope dude phil lamar is the voice of that guy he does a ton of voice acting. He's also like an actor, actor, but like, yeah, dude, that vamp guy was, was a great character. What's your, uh, what, what soundtrack's your favorite of any game you played? <sighs> soundtrack. Oh man. I don't know. Tony Hawk has some great songs. Uh, that's not really a soundtrack. That's a, that's a collection of, but a that's bunch a fair point because at the time, I'm sure it happened before, but Tony Hawk was the first time I remember songs on the radio were in a game. And it was like you could jam out to cool shit on the radio while you're playing a game. And it was revolutionary. Yeah. Speaking of radio in a game, you got Grand Theft Auto, obviously. Oh, yeah. G GTA 3, where it's completely like manufactured. Yes. And then I remember reading about before GTA 4 came out. GTA 4 is probably the, the, the most excited I was for a game was GTA Vice City. And I, was, I remember reading about like, well, there's going to be all these songs from music from the 80s. And I'm like, I don't know about that. And then it came out and it was freaking amazing. amazing. So actually, yeah, Vice City is probably because I bought the box set to that. And I had all every radio station, you know, yeah, that was GTA Vice City is my answer. Yeah, Vice City. There's this awesome uh, remake mod for the, the newest GTA, which is whatever it is, San Andreas. I forget what number five, GTA five. GTA 5 yeah. San Andreas has a remake mod where they, they import like a lot of the assets and the, and the geometry and the structure of Vice City, but it's running in the GTA 5 engine. And like, it's a whole mod where they swag, they get it all running and they replace. It's like, you should be playing, if you have a 1080 Ti and you want to have a nostalgia bump and you like tinkering with shit, you should try to like get that up and running and play Vice City, but I don't know. I like that. You might you might like that. And that game is awesome. I forgot about Vice City. I'm having all these memories come back of Tommy and like the 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 <laughs> I like how they <laughs> they can't license like actual cars and shit. So they like make the letter like instead of a Lamborghini, it's like a Hambagini. I don't know. You know, like <laughs> yeah. everything's like blatant, but it's not. And uh, yeah. the satire. Wait, so you're saying because I I got uh I downloaded GTA Five. I have it on the on the. What's my newest console? Uh, three three sixty is where I got it originally. Um, but then I, I was on the it was free on the Epic Store right for a week. I got it there, so I have it on a hard drive. So I have never played it, but all the mods, dude. PC gaming has all the mods, man. So those are yeah, those are definitely all those GTA five mods that have been happening over the past ten years are just mind blowing. They are mind blowing. There's so many. This one that I was particularly watching is uh, a, the co combination of all these graphical customization mods with the Vice City 
like makeover remake mod and the two of them together i mean it's like a next gen remake of vice city just like you can play it now if you know you have the technical know-how and the pc that can run it um that's what i love about like the pc community and the, uh, the modding and even with emulation like for example there's a did you ever play chrono trigger that goes way back to the super nintendo probably too early or did you play it I don't think I ever did. Yeah. No, I've heard about it though. Super famous game, like really well regarded in the JRPG niche. And uh, the sequel, Chrono Cross on the PS1, is um, pretty well regarded, but like not a direct sequel. It's very loosely tied. Well, there's a, there's a fan project called Crimson Skies, which is like a full game that was like written by fans and it bridges the two games and it's legitimately good, really good. And there's, that's just one example of mini games like the Vice City mod where there's a lot of cool stuff out there. And I think that's what I like about PC gaming. And if 1080 Ti is a pretty, as long as you're not trying to play in 4k, if you're trying to play at 1080p, that card is going to do anything you want. Any mods, like you can run it. It's a good card. It still is a really good card. I had that card for a while. I might Bitcoin with that card. Speaking of Bitcoin, nice. how do you feel about uh, whatever you did with your Bitcoin we mined 20 bazillion years no, I, ago? I don't, I don't want to go into that. <laughs> That's the whole thing. That's a different two-hour conversation. <laughs> I, uh, I have a laptop that I still have in the back of my office that I bought with Bitcoin left over from what we mined on Christmas. And it, I vaguely remember being Bitcoin being around like 400-something dollars. And uh, I think the laptop was like 2500 It was like the brand new Surface Pro right when it came out, Surface Pro 2. I did the math once. I think it was like $800,000 or something. Ooh, that, yeah, that, lap- I, that, that laptop back there is $800,000 laptop. It's crazy. Yeah, my my laptop in the back is a, is a parachute, is a skydiving rig. Oh, I, I remember that. Oh, yeah. yes. Yep. Yeah. So I bought a parachute and the whole, the whole rig skydiving is incredibly expensive. It was about $7,000 to get uh, the whole thing. Cause there's the, the backpack and then like the, all the, it's called the container, which is what the, the parachute goes into. And then it wraps around your chest and your legs and the little harness and everything. It's all, that's, that's the container. And then your main parachute. And then you have your reserve parachute and then you have a little like firing thing with a sensor on it. So if you like hit a certain altitude and you're, and you're still falling at a certain rate, it fires the reserve parachute. Each of those things are about two grand. And so put it all together and that's all used. So put all that together and you got about $7,000, but that's what I sold all my Bitcoin for back then. Was what, to buy what a parachute. Year was it? You bought it. What's that? What year did you buy this parachute? Probably around the same year you bought your computer. I want to say, I don't know, 2013? Yeah, that's probably where we were. I found an email, by the way. Uh, I traded a bunch of the Bitcoin we mined because I was playing around on some, like, whatever. I don't even remember what exchange. And I mm-hmm. had this vague memory, like, oh, I traded Bitcoin once for Litecoin. And Litecoin is, like, now, like, 150 bucks. I was, like, trying to figure out, like, where did I do that? I found an email I sent to someone um in 2013 in november saying we were talking about crypto and i say i traded a bunch of my bitcoin for litecoin and i've gone back and like looked at 2013 uh time frame it jumped right at the end of october and november i mean either way it was either two dollars or thirty dollars depending in a four-week period of when i bought it but either way either way it's like bitcoin was like 240 dollars 250 dollars at the time but I can't. Oh, yeah. I can't find this Litecoin. Like I might have a decent stash of Litecoin somewhere. I have tried so hard. I've like. Tr- Did I got the same thing? I got a stash of Litecoins that was on an exchange that got shut down. I think it was BTCE, and I think it's an it's an arbitration, and it's going to come out. Same with Mount Gox. It's an arbitration. It's, it might come out one of these days. I'm not holding my breath at all. 
You, you can't, man. It'll freaking eat you alive. Yeah, all the water should have could have. Like, you just you can't. Our, our mutual friend Nick Mount Gox, like, I feel so bad for that dude. That dude didn't even like make any bad choices with this Bitcoin. He was just sitting on it like he was supposed to, and he just lost it. Like, see you. Yeah. Ah, yeah. That's terrible. Anyway, changing subject. More <laughs> and more happy conversations. I, I just reminded me it sucks. I, I laugh about it now. I mean, it does suck to know that I made the right decisions to be a millionaire, sort of or almost. Like, dude, you you got me into it, and I I was because you were like, dude, there's these new ASIC ASIC chips, yes. that are just going to destroy it. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. And we did it, and it freaking it worked out. It, like, worked it was out. we were before the trend. Yeah, we were before the yeah, trend, man. and we didn't hold. We didn't hold the faith. That's what we get. No, we did not. That's what we get for not being. Dude, but then think about like back when it was like when it first came out. You know, for like what the first like ten years, it was like less than a dollar, right? Each. Yo, it's retarded. It's retarded. People who got it. I heard about it even earlier. Uh, I, I'm. I heard from this kid named John Jimenez, which has been on the podcast, and I remember them being less than a dollar. And he explained the concept to me, and I did not get it. I mean, I thought it was kind of cool. But it seems so far fetched, and uh, it, I remember him saying, "Yeah, they're like ninety cents." I have this like memory. It was pretty early, and uh, there was no like the barrier to entry. There was no Coinbase, which is like sign up and buy it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I like played around and like looked into it. I'm like, ah, I don't know. This is sketchy, weird shit. And I forgot about it. And then I kept it kept coming up until it reached that point where I think it was it was uh, less than a hundred dollars when we started mining it. Yep. Anyway, yeah. Crazy stories. We started and it was going up like $100 a day at that point is where it was. Crazy times. Crazy times. We were ahead of the trend. But it doesn't matter. You Tobacco's seems like tobacco's going really good. It's going fun. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I mean, you have freedom to like, ultimately, I've had this thought too. It's how I get over it. Like, okay, let's say you had a bajillion dollars from Bitcoin. Like, how much different would your life be? And it's like, yeah. it wouldn't be that much different. And I think you're sort of in a similar spot. Like, you, you have quite a bit of freedom. You're doing creative shit. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing what you want to do, and yeah. And, yeah. So that helps that... And ultimately, it's all going to end anyway, so we're all just going <laughs> to die. So ultimately, on a, on a long enough timeline, it doesn't matter at all. So Are you are you a nihilist? Are you going down the path of nihilism? Not, not, not nihilistic, but it's like on a long enough timeline, I guess it's kind of nihilism. I guess look at the big, big picture, but... And no, not nihilism. It's just looking at like, like, yeah, the big picture and like seeing that this is one tiny little blip in the cosmic, yeah. you know, infinite infinity that, you know, yeah, we're going to learn some things. We pick up some, you know, we, we're going to have some times, we're going to have some good times, bad times, and then we're going to, you know, go to the next thing. Yeah, it is interesting that like, I, it's nihilistic in a way, but it's helped me, like microcosms of this problem have helped me grapple the big problem. Like I do have this problem with jujitsu, which I got super into, got super addicted to it. And and you have this like it, do, it doesn't really matter though. I got into it old. I'm never going to be competitive. I'm never going to be world champion. Um, I'm going to get older, and like everything, the next generation, the game, the game moves on, and the game evolves. And so, like you get old on top of you get behind. Like there's a point where like you're not going to be good anymore. You're not going to be able to. You know what I mean? It just is. It is what it is. And so, what's the point? Like, why get this skill if it's just going to disappear? And I've had, but it's just well, that's not the the point. Is I'm having a good time. Yeah. So, so have you have yeah. you quit or are you still going? Yeah, I'm still going all the time. I just, but I've had to grapple with that. Like, pun intended, not not intended. I mean, yeah, I've had to I've had to grapple with it. Like, well, because you get like hurt. It's like, dude, I'm I'm 36 years old. Like, why am I fucking pretending like I'm in like LARPing Fight Club? Sort of like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, what's the point? Yeah. But I don't know. It's a good workout. You make friends. I, it's fun. I like training. I don't know. I just like it. So I guess that's what we do. 
Yeah, that's the that's the interesting thing. Like on on my podcast, uh, which is called the Builder Podcast, for anybody who cares, we I was kind of having an existential breakdown where it's like it's like what does anything matter? What does like working out? You know, because I'm not going to be. And what I was saying at the time was like I'm not going to be an underwear model. Like I'm not going to be a porn star. Like yeah. what's the point of getting to like ten percent body fat or even less? You know, and just killing yourself like to look good. Like a you know, you're not going to the beach. You're not going to like. <laughs> You know, like, even if you are, it's like, what, a couple times a year? Like, what's, what's the point? And at that stage, it's kind of, you know, and I've, I've kind of since then have been, you know, been trying to grappling with that and figuring it out. But like, it's, it's kind of a slippery slope in either direction, you know, because then you can say like, oh, what does that matter? Like, what does it matter if I, if I do this thing that's not healthy and then this thing and this thing, and next thing, you know, like, why do anything healthy, you know? But then if you slippery slope the other way, it's like, you know, and you can say like, oh yeah, I work out because it makes me feel good. And, and it, it's true. It does, you know, and everything, but like, but there's like a level of like, there's like the, the base level that like you need to like maintain like a nice healthy lifestyle. Yeah. And then there's like above and beyond that, like where you don't need a six pack to survive and have a really functioning body. Right. No. And so it's just interesting finding the why's to do anything. You know, like why, like why, why practice any self-discipline? You know, why not just do whatever you want to do? Why not be hedonistic? And why, why would you like, restricts you know yourself from doing whatever you know and why like why take the time to read a book and, and better yourself versus whatever you know surf reddit or or whatever you know and and and, and there's not I, you know I've, i feel like there's not really a good answer to any of those of those questions right it's just kind of <laughs> because that's life you know it's life and you it just it's all it's not a concrete things that you're looking for right or you're looking for a concrete thing but you're never going to find a concrete answer you know and so it just kind of ephemeral and ethereal kind of things that you kind of have to just be able capable of of, of trusting that will come and and that you know oh you know we we you, you do healthy stuff because it's you know because of other kind of non-concrete things that are gonna i'm not making any sense but like it's not really you, there's no cut and dry good answer to the question of like what does any of it matter you know yeah. there's a what the hell like there is something innate about the experience of overindulgence or like like over pleasure seeking like there's there's a blowback this you know it just doesn't work like the overstimulation the overstimulation like that you're just going it's like overindulgence i have like my life model which is sort of evolved over making a lot of bad choices is don't get greedy and what i mean by don't get greedy is like you can't you can't overdo like some, when something's good doesn't mean you should just go all in like oh ecstasy's fun that doesn't mean you do more ecstasy though like yeah. you can't just that's an easy example to like but anyway you just can't overdo things and i've i've just noticed like there's no concrete answer you're right there's just sort of this ex ethereal experience well things kind of seem to suck when i'm like shitty yeah like you know like that's all there is like there's just the experience like the experience of whatever's happening seems to go better at least correlated tightly enough with like my actions and choices that i would okay if i'm here i'd rather not suffer so so <laughs> yeah. like yeah. let's figure out how to just have a good time as much as possible and look. yeah it's interesting because you you know either you choose where your pain is or life will choose where the pain is and so like an easy way is like yeah fitness right so you choose to endure the pain of of working out of running yeah, of point. denying yourself every food pleasure that you want to shove down your mouth uh, or life will choose the pain of, you know, all the pain that comes with, with 
not adhering to those kind of yeah. lifestyle, you know? And that's so either point. way, there's pain. There's pain. You just choose where. That's a really good. Point. So it's like, do you want to go through the pain and inconvenience of working out and eating healthy? Or do you want to go through the pain and inconvenience of being insecure and overweight and unhealthy and all the shit that comes? Like, you know, yeah. you know what I hate? I don't think you've ever been, you've never let yourself get that fat. I've gotten pretty fat a handful of times and I hate. I like them when you jiggle in the car, like under your seatbelt <laughs> over bumps. Like when I get to, every time I get to that point, I always have this like, oh shit, I gotta start reeling some shit in. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't yeah. do this anymore. And that that's a, that's been a breaking point for me a couple of times. It's like the jiggling in the car. I can't do it. Can't do it. That's funny. It's hard on me. You've gotten ripped up a handful of times. Yeah, but I my. Yeah, I don't know, ripped up, but like I've gotten down to like fifteen percent body fat. You know, that's pretty good. And so that's that is pretty good, and it's, it doesn't sound like it is, but that is that's pretty that's really good. Um, but I've I've had the thought of like I've wanted I've had a goal for a long time to be two hundred pounds, ten percent body fat, which is stupid ripped. Like that's a lot of muscle because that's not a lot of of body fat fat. So there's you know, that weight's coming from some from something else, you know. Yeah. And that's muscle. And so that's, that's huge. But I've never, I've gotten down to like 185, you know, and then like the whole idea is like, oh, I'll go down to 185 and then I'll build up to 200, you know, and it'll be great. But I'm, I'm never, I can't do the build up. I just, I just, that's where I lose it. I just end up eating whatever I want and fall off the rails. I can restrict myself no all day long. That's easy to cut weight. You just don't eat. But the hard part is eating, eating the right things. Yeah, eating enough to get the muscle gain and not the wrong things. Yeah. So hard. It is so hard. A lot of people struggle with that part too. Like people always seem to focus on like the, the calorie loss. And there's a lot of guys, a lot of people that it's the gain. Todd is our mutual buddy, Todd Robbins. is the same issue. He's always jacked up, but. He's, it's been hard for him to to build. He had to eat. Does he want to build? He's he doesn't do like stuff that like I would think the stuff he does doesn't. He needs to be like lean and mean. Like he freaking is doing jumping and doing a standing like double backflip and like yeah flipping <clears throat> and rotating now. Yeah, now, but earlier in his life, he wants to build a little bit. I think for strength, he's been have he's been having injuries and neck issues from all that stunt stuff, and so some yeah. strength training might help some of that, but. Earlier in his life, when he was like doing the parkour stuff in Taiwan and uh, with him before, he would buy these like weight gainer tubs because he had a hard time eating like a lot. And so he would buy this like shit that was like as dense as calories as you can get and just like put the scoops in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just the only way he could get himself to eat. Yeah. I can, yeah. I can see it. 185 is pretty good though. You're, how tall are you? 6'3. Dude, that's like ideal. I think, uh, I think 6'2, six, 6'3. Six, and, like 190. I've got, I've gone down the rabbit hole of this with some friends. Like what is according to like symmetry and most women and what's blah. the perfect male? You're pretty, you're pretty goddamn close from what I remember. Yeah. Dude, but I, I don't know them. It maybe it's because I'm not normally that, but when I got down to 185, I felt like Holocaust victim. I was like, Whoa, oh, I'm really? freaking skinny. Hmm. Yeah. I was like, someone get this guy a sandwich. <laughs> what's, uh, I think of like one more video game question before we wrap up. And then we're also going to do some pitch on tobacco. I didn't even, by the way, when the hell did you start a podcast? I didn't know you had a podcast. I don't promote it really, but yeah, it's, uh, it's called the builder podcast and we started April of last year and we do it every week. We just hit like, yeah, so we did every week starting last April. So we're on episode like 43 or so. So right around where you are. Um, and what is it like Pitchman? What is it? You builds it? Yeah. So it's called, uh, close. Yeah. So it's the, the build BLDR. So builder, that's kind of our, our, our thing. Um, but the builder podcast, we just talk about people who make stuff and do stuff. And so a lot of times it's, it's a, it's the tobacco podcast. And so it's a lot of motorcycle stuff. And so motorcycle builders, um, and really now it's our friends that we tap into, but we get people who, 
who are building something and use usually like a, a company owner or a brand owner in the motorcycle space, but we do a lot of stuff outside of that. And so this year we're going to, we're really wanting to get more people on. Like we have some friends of the brand, like that are kind of high, high profile names, but it's like, it's crazy. Cause you look at like Tyler Williams. I don't know if you follow him on Instagram, but he posts about his podcast and his, his first guest was Tony Hawk on his very first episode. Yeah. He's, and so he, he's always been that guy. Like what the fuck? How? But he's that dude. Yeah, but I think I think the how is because he'll the uh, Vivint will hire like them to come speak at you know a thing, and then he'll just get them on the podcast real quick. And so I don't think like Tyler is friends with Tony Hawk. Like, I think it's just it's just part of the part of the thing, you yeah. know. And so like, but he just gets super high caliber people on there, and you're like, damn, it's a really nice podcast. And the way he shoots them, and they're all like very very professionally done. Um, he just everything like, he does. I mean, that dude. I brought it up uh, when I was t- talking about a, 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 one of the Trey Warner intro is. I, I get there's a lot of these summer sales dudes that uh they get like bad raps and whatever but when you zoom out they're people who get really good at a lot of different things like everything they do has like a certain like Tyler Williams everything he does has like a high qual- standard you know what I mean yeah it's there's a everything. work ethic behind yeah. there like that's ultimately what it comes down to is a work ethic and they apply that yeah and so it's an applied work ethic that there's you can see the result of yeah like i, I remember seeing the tony hawk and some of the guests and seeing that he did a podcast and be like that shouldn't be surprised that tyler's first guest is tony hawk like i could see him yeah. being like i had this hookup tony hawk's coming in if i get it like i can time it right and i can debut with tony hawk and then pulling it off and shooting it like making sure everything's perfect but that's what he, he's a i've always found him to be a i got talk to him see if he'll have a conversation with me i've always been super fascinated by him he's an interesting character super yeah yeah do you stay in contact with him but anyway that's my podcast oh, is sorry. that builder podcast and check it out wherever podcasts are sold yeah but do I, I i text him every once in a while and he texts me every once in a while but not really he lives down like two hours south of me and so we uh you see sometimes he has a bike sometimes he doesn't have a bike and so he we have yet to go on a ride together we went on a <laughs> ride back when i bought Remember the bike that I bought in Utah? It was uh, it was a Goldwing, a Honda Goldwing. I do remember it was in your garage forever, and you had like some mods and stuff you wanted to do to it. Yeah, I took off the fairing, and I like yeah, and then I eventually sold it, you know. But it ran for a little bit. But I went on a couple rides, but it was it was beat up. But I have yet to go on a ride with him uh, on like the bike that I have now, like my nice bike. But who's your uh, favorite guest you've had on the Builder Cup podcast? Um. No one, no one that you would have known. They're all just kind of friends of the brand and just kind of local people. Just kind of, they're, that's what I'm saying is we've, we've gone like with like easy people, like friends that we'd like know, like, Hey, shoot a text out and like get it. Um, and so it'd be cool to kind of like start to get like big names, you know, and like, and try and get that. Um, we've had some great people and we have some amazing conversations. What would be the one, um, if someone wanted to check it out, what would be the first episode you'd recommend? Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure it out. There's a lot of them with, with Dave and I are really good. And yeah, because, what podcasts do, and, and even you and I having this conversation under the context of a podcast that you talk differently than if you just are hanging out yes. or like, so Dave and I, my partner, we're business, you know, business partners and we talk a certain way all the time. But whenever we get on a podcast, it's weird because you would think it, it because it's, there's more eyeballs on you um, or earballs that you would talk differently in a, in a, in a more closed way, but you get way more like honest and way more way more intimate about things and you, you reveal yourself in, in ways that you wouldn't normally, you know, if the, if somebody wasn't recording, right. It's just, which is weird. It is weird. Um, it's worked, uh, which is very weird. Actually. I'm glad you brought it up. I, that's a good way to articulate 
what I'm like in the middle of experiencing trying to put my finger on. That's ex- yeah, like you have you have some of the most like this conversation with you is probably the best conversation I've ever had with you. You know, we've I mean not saying we've had bad conversations, but this is like just been the most like easy like where you're sitting down yeah. and the whole point is to have a conversation. Yes. There's no phones distracting, there's no like thing you have to get to. Like the whole point is the conversation and the connection with the other person. Yes. And so it's and so and we're accomplishing that, right? Which is cool. And so podcasting kind of lets you do that. It's connect to people in a way where that's the whole goal. And so probably the, the conversation with Dave and I were just us. We just, we would not, we're, we're too different enough to where we can work together and it works out great. And we've, we've had our blowups in, you know, in the past and we have those not very much anymore, but we just, we wouldn't hang out. We wouldn't even really be friends outside of, of work, yeah. right? If it weren't for this work thing that brought us together, we just wouldn't, we just wouldn't, you know, be together. But because we have two and we have to work it out <laughs> yeah. and we have to make it work, it works out great. And so we get to talk about that kind of stuff on the, on the podcast that we, so yeah, so check out, I think it was last week's episode. It was, um, it was just Dave and I, and it says that we moved, I think was the title and talks about the move. And then we, you know, inevitably go off on a tangent and then, which leads to more tangents, but they're great conversations. Nice. Nice. The builder podcast that's on everything, like all the regular podcast shit. Yeah. Apple, Google. Yeah. yeah everything. Nice tobacco. And then, uh, do you, do you have a, is your, your wall art, your woodworking sh- shit is just on your personal Instagram, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to post more of it, but yeah, go follow at and rude that's a n d underscore r u d e and rude and rude woodworking uh tobacco like i i think people really should look at tobacco and again like the like super like the percentage of people who can start a clothing brand i mean jesus like it might that might be like getting in the nba it's got to be maybe half a percent, really. And still be around five years yeah. after you start it. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, how many clothing brands were started a year in streetwear? I mean, I guess you did attach it to biking, which is a good move and a genuine move because you guys had a genuine interest in it. Probably part of the magic. But do you ever feel like like how much of it is how in like the grand scheme of things? What's your sense of how much of it is luck and how much of it did we actually make happen? Dude, I think a lot of it was a couple of, of good things that happened. One thing that happened was that we our, our expenses are so low that it didn't take a lot for us to quote unquote succeed, you know, as in still be around. Yeah. Right. We like we we you know with the Kickstarter that did well, we didn't go out and you know buy a bunch of random crap and and treat ourselves like we. We used the money really, really intelligently and very, very conservatively and just invested, you know, back into itself. And, and for the, a while there, we had like no other employees. And so the expenses were very, very low. And so it's just recently we're, you know, ramping up with payroll and yeah. getting a, a, a warehouse and like taking on expenses and contractors and, and that kind of stuff that it gets kind of scary, you know, where your overhead gets, gets really high. But, but yeah, so it was that combination of that mixed with, being kind of part of a niche. And so you weren't competing against Levi's, you know, we're competing yeah. against the next best pant gear, which is a lot, you know, smaller of a, of a market, you know, to compete against, you know, and, and it's really easy to beat them, you know, whereas if we were launching just a pants brand, you're competing against Levi's, you know, yeah. like good luck, good you luck. know? <laughs> yeah. Good luck. And s- yeah. Damn. That's a wild ride, dude. And it seems like you guys are just moving forward. You got, so the builder podcast is like the official tobacco podcast. It's just called builder. Yeah. And yeah, so BLDR is the name of the Builder podcast. And that's, and so it's, so tobacco about two years ago, we bought this other little brand that closed down called Pack Animal. And that's our other little brand. And 
Pack Animal makes bags. Currently, it makes backpacks and duffels, but we're going to make other bags. We're coming out with like a streetwear sling bag this year and then other duffels and, and maybe saddlebags for a motorcycle. Um, and so it's kind of Pack Animal and tobacco. And so we'll have guests like we have, we had a van lifer, a guy with a family that, you know, sold his house and lives out of a van. You know, we had that guy on hearing about that. That was interesting. And that was like a pack animal guest. But so it's kind of pack animal is under the umbrella of, of tobacco. Nice. So um, builder, but yeah, tobacco motorwear is the name of that company. And then pack co. If you want a cool wax canvas backpack. Yeah. Uh, Omar showed up to my place and we were talking about I don't know how you came up and he was like, this backpack's from them. And I, and I, I thought, I didn't know you guys did backpacks. It's like, yeah, Homer had one. He loved it. Yeah, they're cool. Let me know and I'll send you one. Uh, sweet. Uh, I don't know. I mean, don't, I don't know if I would use it. I don't want, I hate when people send me shit that I just like put in the closet. <laughs> like I have your tobacco jeans and uh, I still, I've never got rid of them because they're a gift, right? You can't do that shit. But I like, you have to cut them. I don't know if they're still like that, but I don't know anyone who sews. They're super long, dude. Next time. Just, dude, I'll reimburse you. It's like $15 to get them hemmed at any, any dry cleaner offers hemming services. So I just walk in there and say, I need these hemmed. And she'll have, she'll put them on, draw with some chalk, some lines, and it'll cost you like $10, $15. I know. You're 100% right. But you forget that I'm almost borderline mentally handicapped. And there are certain things I can't, I cannot do. Like that will never happen. I promise you. I will never get myself to do that. I'm going to make it happen. Next time I'm in Utah, I'm going to go to your house and I'm going to take you to there and I'll make it happen for you. Because they're dope pants. They are dope pants. I wear them them every freaking day and I don't ride, you know, once a month or so. Every time I like move or like do long, I have to move them over and I pick them up. I'm like, yeah, the, the, like the denim does feel, I mean, I don't know anything about shit, but there is like, I was talking to my brother about this. There is like an innate thing, but most of the time when you pick up a product and you can tell if it's high quality or not, there's like a sturdiness. I don't know, a sense. And that's how the jeans feel. I don't know anything about denim, but I, but every time I pick them up and move them, I'm like, God, these feel fucking like legit. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's raw selvage yeah. denim, which is like the top of the line stuff. Do they still fit you in, in the waist? Probably not. I guarantee not. I don't know when you gave them to me, but I guarantee I'm, I'm, I'm definitely fatter than I am uh, now than I probably <laughs> Dude, was. Now. Put them on and you'll know how much weight you have to lose. <laughs> but yeah, they're dope pants just to wear around the house, just especially on those winter, summer, those freaking uh, Utah winter days. They're great. Extra little layer in there. Yeah. I have no doubt they're American. I know they're American. Obviously, you guys wouldn't be successful. Like you can't, Especially in the clothing industry. Like, you wouldn't make it in any regard if you weren't putting out something awesome. I mean, that's just how it seems to me. Like, there's no other way. There's no other yeah, way. Yeah, we're to get out there. Like, that's a lot of other Kickstarters come out and they, like, make crap and they don't, they're not around. I got burned by one, like, pretty bad. I, it was, it was Ooh, what some happened? tech product. I can't remember what it was. And, it, and uh, I don't know. I got to go on to Indie. I think it was an Indiegogo. I got to go on and track it down. But I remember it was a tech product. I didn't really look at Was it like a VR headset or a console? That was one of the consoles, the Ouya or the Oja. What was that thing that, like, crashed and burned and raised, like, 10 million and then crashed and yeah, burned? That was the Android one. I think they did release some of it I, but it did die pretty fast i don't remember what it was it was like a headphone i remember it combined like multiple things for a pc and it was like super convenient i was super pumped on it i wish i could remember the details but i ordered it mm. and came back like nothing happened and then i would like, check the comments and everyone would be like they put this up but no one shipped and eventually it became obvious they just took the money and disappeared like it was just all fake 
Yeah, most of the time that happens. It's not that they took the money. It's that they like they got over ambitious and just and just ran out of money. And they they couldn't. They didn't, when they ran out of money, they didn't have enough. They just had no product. They couldn't like they didn't finish R and Ding it, so they just couldn't go to production. Oh, so like they they do like, like a a concept thing like without really understanding what it's going to take to do it. Yeah, and they, and they, when they like oh this is actually happening and they really get sense. into like developing it, yeah. they're like whoa this is freaking we need way more time and way more resources than we thought to make this happen and sell it at this price and so they just run out of money. That actually seems you really know? likely. That's I think I think cuz everyone in America is slightly racist and because everything <laughs> was Chinese like all the the, fo- <laughs> yeah. the forum shit like they would have like translations sometimes but the translations were bad and they would have like FAQs and their website was in Chinese and so nobody knew what it said and everyone was just like they took our money. Ah! That could be a possibility too, yeah. But, but yeah, everyone gets so entitled when when those happen like there was our our competitor when we first launched 5 years ago quick story they they came out with a kickstarter kind of around us and then we delivered our stuff and then they couldn't deliver on their and it was like their second kickstarter and they had been around for like 5 years prior at this point like 5 years ago mm. and so they like couldn't deliver and their their product was was done and 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 they were making pants and they were all done and cut and sewn and, and bagged and sitting on a pallet at the factory. Uh, the guy just he didn't have enough money to pay them to get the product, oh. and so he just he couldn't. He just and he just shut down. And everyone thinks that like that like I'm gonna file a lawsuit and blah 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 and all this stuff. But like it's in the it's not even fine fine print. It's like the legit bolded print that like. No one is liable, really. Yeah. Like you're just you're you're putting your money in there, you're trusting it, and most times it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, it's just people just go insane. They start Facebook groups where like, oh, we're gonna take them down and we're gonna like, you know, we're gonna Yeah, it gets crazy. Do you guys get any like have you guys been a, a, the target of any sort of internet mobs you've had to deal with as a brand? No, every once in a while a couple of people and then like a couple people will will hop on board with something that tries to get started and then we like take care of it. <laughs> this one guy, this is the greatest thing probably I've ever done in my entire life. But this one I wanna say it was a comment on on a post on a different account, or maybe it was our I think it was a different account. And somebody on the girls I think a girl was posting a photo of, of her tobacco jeans, right? And maybe she had like a, a complaint or somebody else in the comments had a complaint and this guy was like, Yeah, tobaccos are the worst or was some just dumb comment like that, right? But this jackass, he had a public Instagram account, which is fine. But then the link in his bio was to his resume. And so on his resume was all of his information. <laughs> and so we, ca- we called the guy right there. And we we're like, Hey man, is, uh, is this Matt? And he was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and we're like, he's like, who's this? Like, Oh, this is Andrew at tobacco. And he's like, how'd you get this number? We're like, Oh, it's on your resume. And like, Hey, we're just one. And he, he was, you could tell he went ghost white on the <laughs> other end of that phone. And we're like, hey, we're just, we saw your comment and we were looking for an order that you placed to, to try and figure out what product you got and, and when it was to see if it was a bad batch. And we're trying to figure out if, you know, and want to replace it and want to fix the problem if there's a problem. And then he like just hung up on us, but then he made his account private and you know, he's going to remember that for the rest, the rest of, his, of life. his life. That, that changed his life right there. <laughs> like the fact that like his digital bullshit caught up with him in the real world, like he's, yeah, dude, we scared him straight. <laughs> and this was you did it on the podcast? No, no, this was this uh, was just on one day. Yeah, no, yeah. but it was 
I forget why that came up, but like, no. So he tried to like start this mob thing, but we freaking, we squashed that. Oh. So you guys, you guys just like were hanging out and called him like you and Dave. Yeah. We were just working one day and I was, I just discovered this, this conversation <laughs> going on and this guy, I'm like, oh. this guy, why is he just, maybe he was like friends with, with a girl who like has another competitor brand who's right down the street from us. And he was trying to like get people to buy her brand, you know? And so he just did did it in a way that he thought he would like be anonymous. And I've, I've done that before, you know, where you like mob mentality, you just jump in there and then yeah. you get like singled out and you're like, Oh yeah, sorry. That was, that was dumb. But <laughs> I got, dude, we freaking, that's a pretty yeah. baller, like bike trap. I like that. You get, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. It was, but the fact that he couldn't even continue, he had to hang up on us and he made his account, you know, private and you yeah, know, well, yeah, you can make everyone sure. turn everything private. Let's open. Yeah, yeah, like that's a win. I didn't have that exact same thing, but I did have a pretty good mic drop moment where I was moving out of my first house when I was married, and the next door neighbors were. I just from the year living at, under that contract, like the nicest way I can put it is, I knew my next door neighbors were sketch. Just they were sketch, and uh, when we moved out, we moved everything out, but we didn't get to everything, and I left like our our freezer, which was full of all this meat that my mom had got us for Christmas because we were like super poor, and I was like, I want meat for the year so my mom bought us a shit ton of meat and uh i left and i went back the next day on a sunday to get my meat and uh we didn't have a freezer at our new place that's what it was i had to move it in and get it anyway i go back to get it the day next like we'd been moved out for like six hours and we still had like till the end of the month and it was like a week in advance they somehow watched it and my fucking meat was gone out of my fridge and there was still like stuff oh, no. there was still like a dresser you know we weren't done moving and I, I just like somehow I knew I'm like, it's the fucking neighbors. I know it. I know it. I walked over and I knocked on the door and I, f I felt like this could go south in a lot of ways. Like, especially if I wrongly accuse him and I'm super pissed or I'm sick. And then nobody answers, but I just, I don't know how I knew. I just knew. And I opened the door. No one's home. I don't know if they were at church or what. I just walked into the stranger's house and opened their freezer and there's all my fucking meat. <laughs> And I like, I like made some noise and no one came in and I, it was two trips. Like I couldn't get it in one trip. It was a lot of meat, but <laughs> <laughs> I got all the meat and then, uh, just left. And I've always wondered like wherever they were, they came home and just got you, bitch. It's my motherfucking meat. <laughs> That's, I love it. I love yeah, it. The same thing. I think that were just like you said, that guy may, it's my, may not be as memorable as getting like caught red handed, being a bullshitter. That's pretty memorable because there's a lot of shame involved with that. But I hope those people remember me for the rest of their life. Remember that one time our meat just disappeared? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, is there anything else? Any other game? What is uh, what's, What do you think is the greatest game according to the, the subjective reality of Mr. Andrew Hancock? Oh, gosh. The greatest game in, in like what I could play all day, every day, or like the greatest piece of art? Or how do you... Okay. How do you... One of each. Like the one you can go back to, Stranded Island, and the one that's like overall the masterpiece, in your opinion. Dude, Jets, Jet Set Radio Future is a really fun game. I really enjoy replaying that game. A lot of people like that game. The... That's a... That, wasn't that originally a Dreamcast game? Because Dreamcast, like... Oh, yeah. Jet Grind Radio was the original uh, one. I had a, a bootleg <laughs> copy of that for the Dreamcast because you could have burnt discs on, on Dreamcast. And so, yeah, I had Jet Grind Radio on that. And the, no, it's kind of... It's like a... It's a, it's a sequel. It's a much bigger and much more grand. And the music is cool. And, and there's like an unofficial sequel coming out soon to that game, which should be pretty cool. What was it um, on originally? What did you play it on? 360? No, it was 
Oh, no, the original Xbox was Jet, Jet Set Radio Future. <sighs> and then Jet Grind Radio was the, the Dreamcast, Dreamcast one. one. Damn it. So there's Jet Grind Radio and Jet Set Radio. You know what? Uh, Xbox is really hard. The emulators aren't great from what I've... Oh, really? I don't know why, because isn't Xbox... Anyway, there's a lot of Xbox games I want to go back and play. And that, I just was thinking, damn it. Probably, it's probably not playable, because most of them are not. There's no other way to play it. Mm-hmm. But the Dreamcast one... Did you play the Dreamcast one? Is it good? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. I could try Jack that. Grand Radio? Yeah. yeah, that's great. So that's the game you could play all the time, over and over again? I don't know. I would... I probably... Original Halo is probably my one-time all-favorite all favorite game. Yep. Amazing campaign, amazing memories of... Because that was... Oh, man. That was the end of the, the... The get all the... Your friends together and four TVs in different parts of the house and yep. four people per TV. And there is nothing... That... that is never going to come back. That just no. is never going to come back. That like local land party phenomenon that was so much fun, you know, and Halo was the epitome of that in high school. It was 2004 is when we had those Halo land parties and they were just unreal, unreal. man, unreal. I think only t- two times do I have a vivid memory of us achieving maximum potential, which was four TVs and four people like the max <clears throat> in one place. At my buddy Danny Huntsman's house. And uh, like that is, you just, yeah, you, and at the time you didn't realize what you were experiencing was so fleeting, but so awesome. Yeah, yeah. But it was, yeah, those like, that, that is magic. Like the Halo land parties. I did a few other PC land parties, like Day Defeat, Counter-Strike, that could be really fun. I guess you could do it mm-hmm. on PC, but there, there's something missing when you get a bunch of people crammed into the same house. And again, that the, something about limitations is important. Uh, with even with creativity i keep coming back to this like something about dude creativity needs constraints yes that's that's the saying that's, yeah. yeah absolutely something about that like it's something about the restraints and like what can come what can come to be because of those restraints made something i mean halo out of all the games other than mario out of every episode and all the conversations i've had by far halo's the most common not zelda Maybe Mario's like a close second, but I would wager Halo comes up the most. Like a cultural yeah, Halo, phenomenon. I think even people that didn't like first person shooters loved Halo. Yeah. I loved first person shooters, so I was that was double my jam. Big game, huge game. I said in a, another episode that it's one of my first recollections of a game that had a really strong allure to people who weren't traditionally gamers. People who didn't play games played Halo and got good at Halo. In fact, that's Trey. I was telling the Trey Warner story is I met Trey Warner's little brother. His whole his whole family's like good looking athletic dudes, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I remember like they were good at music, and they had a little bit of like teenage what's the word envy and sort of self consciousness. And but I was good at Halo, and I hung out with them. And I was I thought I was going to trash them. I didn't trash them. They kicked my ass, and it was oh no. And it was like God. They're better looking. They're taller. They're better at sports. They're better <laughs> at music, and they're fucking better than Halo. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious hilarious but that game i mean people got into that game yeah yeah dude and you yeah and and i think it was one time that we had the the four tvs four person per tv the two in the garage one in the living room one in the family Ooh, room yeah baby. and when you would kill someone and hear from the <laughs> other room when they like yeah, dude, you just, just everyone, the energy of everyone being together and then everyone having to turn on the Xbox at the same time. Like, okay, do you see me? Do you see me? No, do you see me? No, we got to reset. I don't, we don't see that, that TV. <laughs> yeah. And just, oh, we got to reset the hub. And oh my gosh, man. Yeah. There was, there's nothing. You can't recreate that with online gaming. You can't. And, nope. No way. No, you can't. I mean, I'm not to say I haven't d- divin, dived, divin, 
can't speak English. I haven't divin deep in the online gaming world. And I know that like there's good experiences to be had. Obviously, a lot of people are enjoying themselves, but it can't it can't be anything close to what that land party shit is. Dude, and and back, I remember back in the day, I was able. It was a a janky freaking setup, but you could trick your Xbox into thinking that online was a local network, and it was like a system that you would like you oh, would like yeah. You would like connect your Xbox to your computer and you would like give your Xbox the Mac address from your computer and then that would allow you to like get online. And so you could play like these. So Halo one didn't have online capabilities, right? And so it was just local. And so you could like play over the internet, you know, with like these games. And it, it was, it was, it only worked like once out of every 20 times you booted it up, <laughs> but every once in a while it worked and it was fun. I think I vaguely remember that because I do have a memory of uh, a friend of mine like messing with trying to get something to work and plugging into the computer and people like arguing and like it not working. I remember modding Xboxes around that time too. Like you could do the hardware mods and turn your Xbox. They'd play everything, install games. Um, I had a friend brick it. It was around that time that I got big into the into hot into the hardware mods, but it wasn't like a like software stuff. It was like physically like adding lights or like I would cut a window in the top of my Xbox and then oh. I have a plexiglass window with LEDs. Oh yeah, and like do like do case mods. I was super into that. Damn, you could probably still make money that way. Sell cool. I think there's some weird liability because there's a company that tried to sell black case mods for the PS5 and look, they look dope. Oh. And then like it went away and then it came back and then it went away. I'm not exactly sure what's going on, like what the legality is, but, uh, custom case mods. Dude, you could, I bet you could Etsy that shit up, like custom console case mods as a collector's items, you know, based on themes or whatever. That could be a killer. Niche. Yeah, if you got good at it, like there's, I saw some super dope like NES mods, and there's like, yeah, there's it's next level, like the, the kind of case mods that people can do. They're cool. But about uh, anything else you want to hit? I can't think of any other video game. We we had a great. Con- Where are we at right now? As far as three hours. Oh yeah, I'm supposed to keep it under two, but I always end up having too much fun. So it is what it is. Andrew motherfucking Hancock. Anything else? Uh, tobacco motorwear everywhere, right? As far as socials go. Uh yeah, at Tobacco Motorwear Co on Instagram, but yeah, Tobacco Motorwear will get you to It'll it. Get you there, and then and then and rude for my stuff. I'm gonna post more, I promise. And then the is the builder stuff like on the Tobacco website or is it a separate website? There's not really anything about it on the website. We should just the podcast. But th- actually, there's like blog posts about it. I think, but just the builder podcast, the LDR yeah. podcast. I didn't know you guys had it, so I uh, I'll promote. Yeah. I'll put that shit in the the links of the podcast too. Otherwise, dude, it was awesome. Thank you for making time. Uh, you probably know dude, it's so awesome. It's hard to make the the hardest part about the podcast for me is booking people. That's the most annoying part. The actual podcast, the editing. I like all that part. And so, yeah, that's all fun. You were easy. It was like, hey, do you want a podcast? Yes, I'll be here this time. You showed up on time. You asked me a couple, like a year ago, and I was like, yeah, sure. And then we just never made it happen. Oh. And then this time again. Sweet. Well, we made it happen. I'm glad it happened. Appreciate the time. It'll probably be like, I don't know, two or three weeks turnaround, but I'll let you know. Shout out to Tobacco Builder Podcast, Andrew Hancock. Bye bye, everybody.